Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 270. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Where's Connor? Connor was supposed to be here, and he called in to work at the last minute, which is why we'd actually moved the recording a day mm -hmm. early, and so I found out today that I'd have to read all my books by a certain time, and then that little shit... <laughs> Then said, oh, sorry, you called it to work. So we didn't have to move the recording a day forward, and I could have just been ready tomorrow at the normal time. But I guess that means no Comicsology top 10, then. Oh, shame. What? <laughs> what sort of work logic are you run under? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, last minute, and, you know, you can't do it if it's not Saturday. So, yeah. you know. Friday's just as good. The only time it felt compromised uh, is when we had it on, like, the Wednesday. <laughs> Oh no, I severely misplayed my hand. <laughs> Friday's fine, we're done on fr Friday tons of times. Nothing wrong with Friday. So, hey-ho. Pete, yeah. anything eventful happen on Sunday? Oh, Sunday was all out. Uh, uh, which, according to the, 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 the reports, it did over 200,000 buys, which is the biggest, biggest wrestling non-WWE pay-per-view since 1999. Good lord. <laughs> Which puts it in perspective, just how, how yeah. long that market's been in, just in one trapped. person's hands. Yeah, so. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep. Very, very exciting. Me watching it at 2.30 in the morning, uh, coming home from my concert, uh, trying not <laughs> to wake the wife with the appearance of one Adam Cole. Uh, it was very eventful, we'll just say. It was a very, very eventful pay-per-view. Uh, with very few far between down spots. Let's be honest; it was really just yeah. that one Paul White yeah. match that was a down spot. But yeah, I, I skipped which, that. Which no, so I I watched it, and from the time it took, so that that match happened between the Punk and Darby match in the main event, which was Omega and and Christian. From the time it took me to come upstairs to change real quick, uh, out of my concert clothes. Uh, into some lounging clothes to watch the main event. That match was over. Mm -hmm. So yeah. technically, it played, but I don't know what happened. Yeah, that was my piss break match. Yep. So, yeah. So, that was that. Yeah. That is what it is. But, you know, cage match was fantastic. Brian Danielson showed up. It was all very pleasant. Uh, and I enjoyed all of it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I will say his new song on my subwoofer hits very hard. <laughs> and I was not expecting that. <laughs> and it got kind of bad again. Watching well, this at two in the morning. Um Yeah. Yeah. And the success good, good times all yeah. around. Success has carried forward as well because they had their best rating since the uh the premiere episode of Dynamite this week. And okay. finally, on the same week, beat Raw in the key demo, which is the first time they've ever done that. So uh and without Jericho too. Without Jericho and without, without Paige and without, uh, well, then... I mean, it, it helps when you have one CM Punk and one Adam Cole and, and one, uh, Brian Danielson. So, oh, yeah, uh, but it shows just... that they've got a lot of people that can rotate through, which is, which is mm -hmm. nice. But that, that's, you know, that's a DC Comics podcast. You might, you, you might be a little confused because hey. we started with, uh, uh off topic stuff. That's... Yeah, but wrestling is all like comics sometimes, so there's uh, some fun crossover. There's a lot of similarities. Uh, yeah. 
heels turns, face turns, factions. Um, oh, can't, I mean, can't wait for a half turn uh, in one of these this week's books. I mean, uh, what was that portal scene from Avengers? If not just someone returns in wrestling, that's that's that moment. Uh, that's what that was. I, that's a hundred percent what I felt on all out. When Wong goes, what you wanted more? That, that's how I felt by the the main event. I mean, so yeah, yeah. man. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, so DC Cuts podcast. We get together. We talk about the books we read this week. And coming up on today's show is the week one show of the month. Um, but meaning that it's you know the first week of books of the month. Uh, we have Infinite Frontier issue six, Batman one twelve, Green Lantern annual twenty twenty one. Green Lantern issue 6, The Swamp Thing issue 7, Black Manta issue 1, Batman Catwoman issue 7, The Nice House in the Lake issue 4, and I've got a Patreon book to uh, settle, which is Animal Man issue 11. So that's what's coming up on today's show. Uh, big difference from la- last week one. Last week one, I think it's because mm-hmm. of, like, three or four books got delayed, which, which were meant to be out last week. So week one was supposed to be fairly quiet, <laughs> and it kind of turned into a more... Not, 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 I wouldn't say packed, but healthy. Much healthier yeah. week. Uh, so that's what's coming up book-wise. Uh, but have no fear, because there's always time to begin with everyone's favourite segment. And that is the Comixology Top 10. Yeah. I feel Numbers. like... So you, know, so you know David's doing his New 52 show now, which you yeah. can find uh, on the Comics on Multiverse channel. If you want the audio version, you can search the Not-So-New 52 and get it on your, your podcast app. But David's using little music interludes when he's like going to a new section, and I almost feel like when I say <laughs> it's time for the Cowards Lodge Top 10, I want a little jingle. I want a little mm. bit of music to play. <laughs> Just me screaming into the void. <laughs> Sometimes the void screams back. <laughs> so, um, number one, Matt, take a guess. Batman. It's Batman 112. Ew. Yeah, shocking Gross. state of affairs, isn't it? Uh, so that's cool. Uh, number two is Excalibur 23, X book. Number three, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider Man 73. Number four, X Force 23, X book. Uh, number five is Batman Catwoman issue seven. And then okay. num- number six is Infinite Frontier issue six. Okay. So that's neat enough. Uh, and then number seven is Daredevil thirty-four. I'm just double checking here. Is, is, is that, that still? Uh... Yeah, it's still Zarsky. Yeah, I'm just checking. Yeah. There you go. So that that's thirty-four issues deep now. That run, that's quite nice. I I read the first. I don't know what fifteen to eighteen-ish yeah, like, issues, and I really liked you, it. You guys so. are we're big on 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 that, and I need to go check mm-hmm. it out because. Um, I'm behind on everything Marvel right now. It, it, I mean, it was excellent from what I read. Um. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading that run when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, then number eight, you got Doctor Afra issue fourteen, and then War of, War of the Bounty Hunters issue four at nine. Mm-hmm. So that's two Star Wars books back to back, and then Defenders issue two is number ten. So a lot of Marvel in the top ten uh, yeah. this week, which is you know seven out of the ten. Um, yeah. So. Hey, uh, where's Swamp Thing at? Uh, Swamp Thing is down at number 18. Okay. 
That's not, not too bad. bad, but guys, you need to be re reading that so we can get a sequel series, please. Uh, interestingly, 11 and 12 are the Suicide Squad Annual and Suicide Squad 7, neither of which we read, because <laughs> we were not reading no. Suicide Squad. Uh, nice nope. House in the Lake is number 13, Blue and the Gold's 14, uh, which Matt just forgot was out, and that's why he's not read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a week, and it was, and it'd been a short week, and, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad Get Joker did come out, and I did say last month that I was lately going to read issue two of that, just to see, because a lot of it was pretty enjoyable, but it had some really bad elements as well. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, this week turning into a, a an eight, nine book week, uh, kind of put a put a damper Never. on that, yeah, because it's also a kind of a long issue. It's like a you know sixty seventy page issue, so mm -hmm. um, I might go back and catch up if there's a quiet week like later in the month. I might go back and read that and see see how that progressed. Uh, Green Lantern issue six came in at number seventeen, which is right before Swamp Thing at eighteen, mm -hmm. and then the Green Lantern annuals right after that at nineteen, and that kind of wraps up all the DC stuff on page one of this uh, comicsology chart, but. Yeah, none of it is too low. Like, you know, it's all, even the lower stuff on that first page is uh, still reasonable, at least. Um, yeah. And it's notable that all the Wild Last Man trades, which are not, they're, they're still on sale, they're still half price, but they're not like quarter price like they were last week. Right. So they're still riding that the TV show is about to debut wave and selling a bunch of trades as a result. Uh, and I've read the whole thing, I highly recommend it. It's five volumes if you get the big proper volumes there are 10 issues each yeah. and just yeah get those they're great so cool yeah. there you go there's not really any news this week uh mm -hmm. i mean technically batman day plans got revealed but they're not really that eventful honestly <laughs> i mean obviously matt's it's matt's favorite day of the, the year obviously but uh i don't know Yes, it's, Matt's, it's your favorite day. Matt's a big fan. No, that's a lie. If Matt ever took Wait, off his shirt... Dick, if Dick Grayson's Batman, then yes. But Bruce Wayne? No. If Matt took Hard off his no. shirt... If Matt ever has a reason to take off his shirt on this podcast, he will reveal a giant black bat symbol tattoo on his chest. I, I'll show everybody right now to show how not true that is. <laughs> uh, yesterday was chest day, so... Uh, don't 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 make bets you can't cash in on Pete. <laughs> Said we don't need this uh, getting flagged. Yeah, I'd rather not. Although, interesting, actually, <laughs> I noticed some of my chest hairs today. For the first time today, I noticed some of my chest hairs are grey. I was like, oh, damn! It's not fun. I just aged like twenty years yeah, in the space of a day. I I pulled a white hair out of my beard, not grey white <laughs> and and i threw it into a fire uh never to be seen again i don't need to be reminded of my mortality thank you yeah i've actually got quite a lot of gray at the edge of my beard see if i go with like bearish mm -hmm. right at the sort of the corner well, on both sides that's pretty because great I, I have a red beard i get multicolor in here there's some brown sometimes there's black i've had gray in my beard for as long as i can remember yeah I've had, white, for, I've had it for a couple of years now at least yeah, not 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 white though. There's a there's a hard difference. So, yeah, or or when you pluck a a, a white hair off of your arm. Oh, no, thank you. I haven't done that yet, but uh, yeah, I look It'll forward happen, to it. I promise. <laughs> yeah, future is now, old man. Yep. Uh, not much. There's, there's a there's a web 
Toon series has been yeah. announced for Batman uh, for for Bat Day. I wish I understood why this was so controversial because I, I see it all over Twitter, people praising it, but also saying how it's not going to work, and I, I don't understand. Like, I'll, I'll it's just another way to get comics, I guess, right? Like, I realize I just cracked an old age joke about Matt, but I'm I'm going to like age myself here. I have no idea what a webtoon really is. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's just like a. a <laughs> I'm sure it's like a comic strip that, that you read it via, via an internet browser or something. Um, no, I think it's a car. I think it's a cartoon, maybe because it says first episode debuts eighth uh, of September at one p.m. Eastern. Now, now this becomes like a Vince McMahon googling scenario. What <laughs> is a web? <laughs> uh. <sighs> Here's a question. Do you think Connor would know the answer to that? Do you think Connor yes. is up in he's, the webtoons? Not because he's significantly younger, but he's a little bit more juiced in to that side of fandom than than we are. So, James, too. I think James is around closer to your age. Um, Sounds I feel right. like he would know. Yeah. I, think, I think he would know, too. But I think us, too, we're just like, Unless it comes on our tablet or in physical form, we have no use. I don't know if it's that. I think this might be just like geared a little bit more towards anime fans. Yeah, it is, because it says they're a type of digital comic that originated in South Korea. Mm. They're mostly known outside the country during the inception. There's been a surge in popularity internationally, thanks in part to most of it being read on smartphones. So I'm guessing it's like, uh, it's kind of primed for handheld devices. Oh, so, well, I mean, again, it's just another way to read DC Comics is what I'm getting. And I don't understand why people, a certain chunker, are upset by that because DC will find a way, if it's popular, to put it on comicsology or in physical form. I mean, look what they've done with the digital first books. Those all get a print run for the most part, or at least a trade, you know. So if this is successful, you'll have a way to read it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the nice. next thing, this, this one is a bit weird. Uh, released on September 24th, which is not Batman Day. Batman Day is the 18th. But uh, they'll be releasing a limited edition comic book created with eSports, digital lifestyle, and media platform Faze Clan. I don't know. Faze Clan? I don't, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> what is this? I know I just said about people being upset about webtoons. <laughs> and I know I've had the conversation with people about about esports versus actual sports, and I just don't want. I, at the end of the day, I'd rather just watch people play sports and watch people play video games. That's that's just me. And if you're into it, cool. Uh, to I, me, to me, there's no difference. I, I think they're both painfully boring. But I mean, yeah, there you go. Well, at least you're consistent, Pete. Uh, at least we can count on you to be consistent. However, with with, I, I would much rather watch someone play a single player game than I would watch an esport or a an actual sport. Well, I think that just leans into your your you know, you like storytelling, uh, whatever form. Yeah. You know? So 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 I mean this could be pronounced phase, but it's spelt with a capital Z. It. What? I know it's phase. Is it phase? No, I don't know, but don't know. if it's phase, okay. fase, fuzzy, yeah. whatever, we don't know, and we look like idiots regardless. The, yeah. the, so the, the, the capital Z makes me think it's fuzzy, is how it's probably right. The comic will team Batman with superhero versions of the fuzzy clan members, like, and this is 
brace yourself for this list. Fazzy Banks, Fazzy Apex, Fazzy Temper, Fazzy Rain, Fazzy Adept, Fazzy Rug, and Fazzy Blaze. What am I saying? What are the words that are coming out of my mouth? I don't understand anything I'm saying. <laughs> I bet you my tech at work knows this because he used to work in esports. He was a he was a, a commentator. If I text him right now, he'd probably know. Yeah, I don't bother him though. The only other things is that they're highlighting certain runs on DC Universe Infinite and. Something we already knew about, which is the Batman The World uh, sort of preview version, because obviously that's a full graphic novel that came out. Uh, they're doing like a like a teaser, like free thing or close to free. Oh, so. Actually, when you think about it, this is kind of a cool, like a not even a rags to riches, but from a bottom that the, they started off just doing this stuff, and now they have like a partnership with DC Comics and a partnership with McDonald's. Is this like Fazzy Clan you're talking about? Yeah, I pulled them up. It's a, it's a uh, an esports team basically. Um, they were a Call of Duty clan founded by three players. So, mm. I, good for them, I guess. I mean, this is a not for me, and that's okay. There's a lot like when they did the Fortnite crossover comic, you know. Happy I mean, exist, that, this is more alienating it. to me because, like, esports is because I like video games, but this is one of these things. Whenever I'm watching a game conference and they'll do a little section on promoting their esports, I'm like, oh my god, just get through this crap. I, I don't, I don't yeah. care. Get back to the games. Um, I'll begrudge it though. Like, people want to play video games and can compete, and people want to watch that. Then by all means, knock yourselves out. It doesn't really affect me. Uh, it's oh my god. I'm gonna ask Rob because they're outside of Atlanta. There's, I guess they're stationed in Atlanta, too, and they, they're using the Atlanta Falcons color scheme. Oh yeah, they all have uniform. I've seen this, the small amount yeah. of clips that I've seen is that they come in like uh, almost like boxers, where they've all got matching like tops. Why isn't Kenny Omega involved in this? I'm sure. I'm sure he's done. He's done fighting game tournaments. He's definitely been part that, of those things. But like, by the way, I watched Being the Elite really for the first time in, in a long time and found out the Bucks and him are buying their their um the clothes that they wear, mm-hmm. the ridiculous stuff at Burlington Coat Factory, which is like a discounted chain out here. It's like where where clothes that are out of fashion go and you buy them for cheaper. <laughs> and that makes me like those guys as humans even more. Cause it makes it look like they're spending a ton of money on all this ridiculous like when they pull out the Jordan with the thumbtacks on it, right? Mm. Like, that's an expensive shoe. Uh, but then find out that they're still shopping at Burlington and they're EVPs of this, you know, huge company now. Um, it's just, it's funny to me. But yeah, I'm looking at these and just reading the names. It, it I feel like I'm in the Matrix. <laughs> well, there was a new trailer for the Matrix for I this. Know, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, yeah I watched so, it yet. Mm. Uh, I don't care. I'm I'm getting to the point at almost 36, and I just I don't feel like I have to take part in every conversation. That if people are excited for the Matrix, I'm gonna be excited. I don't need to weigh in, you know. Well, I do a sci-fi feel, podcast, so it's inevitable it's, that I have to deal with it. Of course, of course. Well, it's it's the same with Dune. I'm I'm happy people are are excited for Dune, but seeing that trailer, I don't 
want to watch it and knowing that it's Villeneuve, that's fine. I, I don't have to have an opinion. I am more interested in Dune than I am any Marvel movie that's coming out in the next four years. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm happy for you, Pete. <laughs> You're also talking to the guy that irrationally loves Kong Skull Island, so again, what do I know? I know nothing. Hmm. I'm just imagining locking Matt in a house for like a week and just having like an itinerary of movies that he's going to have to watch while he's there. And it's not even stuff that's completely torturous. It's not like I'm just going to make you watch nothing but Refn or, or whatever, but like just different things that I know you've not sampled that you may hate, but you, may see, likely. But you may see the beauty in them. And, and not even... I mean, I can appreciate good filmmaking. Like, Under the Skin was not for me, but that movie has stuck with me whether I wanted it to or not. Uh, oh, it's a phenomenal so, movie. I... So phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that, that that stuck with me. But yeah, no. Again, I, I'm just realizing, you know, it's okay to, to not have an opinion. I, I, it, it wears me out. I just, I found my lane. I'm sick with comics and 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 certain movies, and sports. You know, we're almost to hockey season. We're we're about a month out. So, football season this this weekend. Rams play on Sunday. That's very exciting. So, so yeah. Enjoy Dune, Pete. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. You have to let me know how, how good Batista does in it, because I, I love that man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's good to see him, you know. I forgot he was going to be in that, to be honest. Um... <laughs> That's what stuck out of the trailer to me the most, okay? <laughs> Is there's Dave Batista and Oscar Isaac. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that was all about the space. It's all about the space, Matt. Sure. Pumpkin spice, yes. Dune spice, no. Oh my god, that's a shirt. My big stupid face on it. Come on. I've never had pumpkin spice, so I can't really weigh in into this do you, debate. Do you, do you like pumpkin, Pete? Is that is that big over? Pumpkin's not that common. No. Yeah, okay. It gets a little overboard with certain things. However, a, a good pumpkin spice coffee in the fall. It's really hard to beat. Just can't have it too much just just like with most things but i am a fan of pumpkin like from fall to from from like september to december i eat as much pumpkin as i can get my hands on like pumpkin pie pumpkin bread oh so good mm. i mean pumpkin pie is mostly sugar so of course it's good but it has that little little hint of pumpkin and positive moving news though uh universal buckled and they're going to put Halloween Kills on Peacock when it releases uh, day and date. Great, great for you, right? Because mm-hmm. I know theater going so off for you. I'm still going to see it in the theater, but if I like this one, it doesn't go off the rails like like the 2018 one does in the last act. I can come home and watch it again. I I mean, the, theater going is not completely off limits. Like I was considering going to see Halloween Kills if if they need be, but. Uh, it has made it convenient that it is not making yes. me. Yeah, I mean, after uh, tonight when we're done here, if I eat dinner, I think I'm gonna watch *Malignant*, the new James Wan. Mm. That's on HBO Max, and we don't like don't have to go to the theater to see that. However, tomorrow I think we're gonna go see *Candyman*, so I'm excited for that. Hmm. Well, see. Yes. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the stuff, all the stuff that's exclusive to theaters for the rest of the year, I don't think I need to like. 
risk anything. Like, I think I'm good for the rest of the year. Uh, I'm happy to wait 45 plus days I... for Shang-Chi and Eternals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was excited for Shang-Chi, so we, we went out of the way. It is nice to go to the theater, although the only theaters close to us are the luxury theaters, so you end up sitting in those real nice chairs, and you have plenty of room. You're not mm-hmm. surrounded, you know, you know, you're not crammed with people. Like, when I went and saw uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, it was packed. Like, I did not feel very comfortable. I was vaccinated, but there were still too many people, and people had forgotten how to be in a movie theater. However, the last couple that we've went to, we've gone to one of the luxury theaters where you can pick your seat and see how many people. It's like one of the showings we were going to go to, just like full of people. So I went to the next showing, empty. And yeah, so able to pick our spots, but it does feel nice to go sit in the theater, you know, but, you know, how, how, sit in the darkness, enjoy the popcorn and, and take in the movie. Um, but I haven't seen a scary movie like that yet, so we'll see how that goes tomorrow. Yeah, well. Uh, no, I had kind of a an annoying, hectic week. That there was work being done in the bathroom, so all of my recording plans for Monday through Wednesday were completely uh, just destroyed. So some things were running late. I had to do some catch-up today and yesterday. Uh, but my Saturday's free now, I guess. So, yeah. I, I guess I'll... I'll get some stuff done tomorrow or just take a day off. Uh, I, I a day off would be good. Like I, I I'm skipping the gym to be here to record this today. Mm-hmm. Um after my my trainer had yelled at me that it's okay to take a day off. You don't have to be so regimented. And I was like, yeah, don't don't tell that to my anxiety, because that's the only <laughs> thing holding me in check right now. But he goes, No, days off are good. I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna listen to him. So uh, I'm gonna share that to you, Pete, too. Yes. Okay. Days off are good. You know, watch something without having it as content. You know, just sit back, watch. I would, I would say oh. watch something dumb, but you don't watch dumb things. Well, no, no, I, I have actually been binging eight out of ten. Cats does countdown. I'll explain this for you, Matt, because <laughs> you're like, what is that? So, I was, I was rewatching what we do in the shadows, and I'm like early yes. in season two, so that. I c- Obviously, I'm a little bit behind because my plan was yes. to finish that before season three launched, and I didn't. Yeah. Now, a comedian that I really liked. Uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago uh, oh. from cancer. Uh, Connor was a fan as well. And mm-hmm. he was on a show, uh, it was on a few things, but it was mainly on a panel show called 8 Out of 10 Cats, which was like a news panel show, but it was all comedians all just making fun of stuff and whatever. But there's also a game show that's been going for like 30 years uh, on, on UK TV called Countdown, which is a really, it's a daytime game show that airs Monday to Friday. It's mostly old people that watch it. And it's basically just... Uh, Sounds like the price is right. They, they pick a bunch of letters, right? Uh, yeah. They'll have nine letters, and they have to make try and make the biggest word possible out of the letters. And then there's the math round where they get a number and a set of numbers, and they have to try and make that number out of the other numbers, right? Simple enough stuff. Really straightforward sort of language and math mm-hmm. skill stuff, right? Um... 8 out of 10 cast does countdown is basically the comedians who go on that show play that game show instead. Uh, So it's basically like a joke version of it where they're constantly taking the piss, they're constantly cracking jokes. Um, There's a couple of people from the actual show who are there to kind of make it work because otherwise it wouldn't. Uh, Right. But... It's all it's all like on demand on Channel 4's streaming service, so I've been binging the shit out of that 
<laughs> the last oh, that's good. Um, because they they started in like 2012, and it was going. Re- I mean, it may still continue even without uh Sean Locke who passed away. But it, it, the last season ended started this year. Uh, so I I've been tearing through that uh this week, and gotcha. it has been addictive. But uh, it's not something uh, you know American audiences that listen to this show. Almost, really understand, almost sounds but... like whose line is it anyway? Meets Wheel of Fortune. Uh, I mean, we do have Wheel of Fortune, and we do have, uh, what was the other one you said earlier? Price Who's lying? Who's lying? Uh, earlier, right. you said Price is Right, I think. Well, Price is Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have those. C- Countdown's this staple, though, that's, a, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. For, for whatever reason, it's been a thing since the 80s. There's, like, thousands of episodes of it at this point, because it's five days a week, and it's been that way since 1987 or something like that. <laughs> but that is, uh... That's what. That's, that's that. That is the silly non-content creating stuff I've been watching this week. Uh, but I will get back to what we do in the shadows uh, after the fact. And uh, yeah, well, I'm waiting for the season to, to wrap, and then we're gonna watch them all. Um, because it just uh, for us, it, it's better that way. Yeah, and when, when um, I'm done with that, I also have both last season and this current final season of Brooklyn Nine Nine to watch because I've not watched last season yeah. yet. So us either. We we have that. So. And Wellington, uh, Paranormal, is that airing on HBO? I'm waiting for that to wrap up, too. Some of the, the film team of What We Do in the Shadows, and it's about the the police in, in Wellington that uh, you saw pop up in, in the film version. Yeah, uh, um, that's actually, I think that's aired a while ago in mm-hmm. New So It's only just went Coming. to uh, yeah, HBO Max or whatever. Yep. yep, I found out about it through Tim. And I saw him uh, about a month or two back, and he was excited for it. Uh, so I had my eyes on it, and I saw it pop up under recommendations. So very, very excited. I'm trying to figure out this countdown game. Uh, Are you looking up countdown? <laughs> yes, yes, I am, because I've, I I grew up watching the Game Show Network. Uh, when we got cable, there's not a lot of channels. So you could just put on the Game Show Network, and I saw all these weird... Mm like 70s and early 80s games oh, yeah, and we, I, I wonder we, if i'd seen this we have a channel like that it's called it's called challenge shows that used to be i don't know if it still is uh but yeah i mean the countdown element just to explain it is uh like oh. when they get their letters of the numbers to do their thing with they get 30 seconds and there's a big clock that counts down yeah. not, hence why it's called countdown right <laughs> um i can't believe i'm explaining countdown on it's okay on the on an episode of the show, it's not even like I like, I don't like regular countdown. Regular countdown's boring. Like it, you know, it's it's people who think they're smart trying to do, play it properly. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> but eight out of ten castles countdown you're, you're, are comedians. You know, you, it's funny. You you're also talking to somebody that used to uh, not do anything at six thirty, so I could watch Jeopardy. Uh, sure. I was very, I was very popular in high school. If you, well, you can imagine, I'm not against game shows. It's just not a yeah. particularly exciting game show. I, yes, I know. But when you said it's for people that are uh, think they're smarter than everybody, um, yes, I, I was very good at Jeopardy, and it, yeah, it's for. So, I mean, not that it's it's not a super hybrid, and that anyone, it's one of those ones that you can still play along, right? You can still sort right. of try and play with the contestants. Uh, 
So I wouldn't say it's quite as highbrow, but it's probably just as dry as something like University Challenge. I don't even know if you have that, but... No. Sounds like JV Quiz, though. Uh, probably, probably. Probably the same thing, more or less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, you can't you can beat... Uh, you know, something like Family Fortunes or Family Feud, you'll call that. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, simple, easy to play along with. Yeah? Or, or Catchphrase yeah. is a good one, or... I mean, that's why Wheel of Fortune's so popular. She can play that at home. It's just uh, Hangman. I mean... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all it is, really. Yeah. And, the, and then you laugh when they go to spin again and they hit the bank route, you know? And the schadenfreude. Sometimes. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Man, I haven't watched Fortune in a very long time. I haven't watched any. I mean, this parody yeah. version of a game show is the only game show I've watched in probably nearly a decade at this point. Yeah, I haven't even watched. I've been out on Jeopardy. I used to watch a lot of uh, cooking, uh, like game shows. So, like Cutthroat Kitchen, to where they they start off with a uh, a set amount of money, and they can spend that money on buying sabotages for the other chefs. And they all have to cook the same thing per round. You know, so one of them might, like, you have to have your knife swapped out for, like, plastic knives and still cook the same dish. Uh, but the judge doesn't know or care what the sabotages are. They just care about how the food comes out. And there was a guy one time that when he won, yelled, I can't believe I just won Chopped, which is another similar show. Uh, I lost it. It's fantastic. Yeah, all my game show references are old, though, because, like, I'm sure there's, like, popular game shows from the last 10 years that are pretty big, but I don't know any Most of them. Most of them, judging from flipping through the channels or DVR, because we sell DVR things, um, most of them are, like, physical-style game shows that just, like, I don't know. There's more of, like, a car wreck element to them to where you want to watch people kind of fail. Not, not in the wipeout way, where that's kind of the point, but you know, stuff like the wall or I think some of the other ones, a minute to win it was another one recently uh, that you're just like, yeah, these are my bag. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Just watching, you know, the same stuff that I always watch. Yeah. I, I don't know what modern game. I, I know some of the classic ones are still running in some form, but I, I don't know what a lot of the, uh, the more recent British yeah. game shows that have been successful are, and I'm probably good not knowing to be honest. But uh, um, yeah. I, I did watch a lot when I was a kid. I, the, the the game mm-hmm. show channel was a, a regular, just put on while I'm doing stuff. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, hey ho. Um, well, that was a weird tangent. Uh, shall we talk about yeah. comic books? <laughs> we should. So, because I'm getting hungry, so <laughs> gotta gotta whip through these. Right, well, we got Infinite Frontier, issue six, Joshua Wilmson and Zermanico, who's the sole artist mm-hmm. credited on this book, which is... That felt so good. Weird at this point. Yeah. I guess that explains why I wasn't on issue five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was too busy working on issue six uh, by his own mm-hmm. some. Uh, which, is, uh, although admittedly, I, I think you can tell that maybe this is a little bit rushed by his standards. Yeah. It's, it's not-, not the best Zermanico. But I'll still take Alzermanico. Oh, sure, yeah. It's definitely popping up for six pages. It's so. definitely better than the really inconsistent uh, issues mm-hmm. before this, um, yes. even if it's not up to his like, highest standard, which is nice. Uh, so 
we find out that this dark side that we're seeing is actually a combination of every dark side that's ever existed. Yeah, so he's been folded in, which, which makes sense because I remember Morrison talking about how dark side is a, a what do they use on, on WandaVision? Uh, shoot. Well, there's only one of them. You know, so I always hear that all the dark sides are just, it is just dark side and High Father and Orion. Like they weren't reborn with each crisis. And this suggests that this dark side has been folded all together, which I don't know if you remember the last dark side that we had from Justice League Odyssey, but he was reborn from, from the baby dark side from, was it Dark Side War? Yeah. Yeah. So he he was that one brought up through, you know, shenanigans. Which, yeah, which now means we don't have to remember that too well because now it's been reset again and we're on this Right, because fashion. it's... But this role give Williamson credit is that he is telling a meta story through comic book storytelling in a way like Jeff Johns kind of did. But this is a little bit. So, you know, like with Johns in, in Infinite Crisis, all the issues and continuity came from Superboy Prime punching the walls of reality. Right. From their from their prison. And that's what caused all the little, you know, inconsistencies through you know from in the post-crisis earth so here williamson's kind of doing that you know it all happened you know and you just have to keep reading to find out what exactly each of them are and i and i love that a lot because it really plays with comic books in that form where just because it's the version right now doesn't mean that's the version it's going to be i think what i like about this little touch is that Later on, Darkseid talks about wanting to control the Omniverse, and I kind of like the idea mm -hmm. that he's an Omni-Darkseid, in, yeah. in, in a way, because he's all the versions combined. Mm -hmm. So that's a, I think that's an interesting touch. Um, basically, Obsidian um, rushes in to Roy, who's you know been overtaken with the Omega by Lantern the Omega. power. Yeah. And basically obsidian's like no i can lead him through this darkness it's kind of you know why i exist it's it's my it's kind of my thing this is speciality so yeah. he does he kind of snaps roy out of it um and flashpoint batman thomas wayne shows up actually has kind of a heartfelt little moment um mm -hmm. which did surprise me a little bit he fights machine head because machine head of course has got a beef with flashpoint's entire right. existence and and, that's, and he, that's what williamson real quick with him, we, we found out in the last issue of the... He blames Flashpoint for all the bad stuff happening on his Earth because of the reverberations and whatnot. So again, that's that meta kind of storytelling here that, you know, when Flashpoint happened, it, it caused problems. At, let's say the New 52, right? So from our perspective reading, we kind of see Machine Head and how that affected that Earth. But so now he wants to take it out. Like, he can't take it out on... Flashpoint Earth, so he's going to take it on the Lone Survivor. Yeah, but he does also add on that he's going to destroy Earth Zero after mm -hmm. he's killed uh, Thomas right. Wayne. And then Thomas just lists names. He says Dick, Jason, Tim, Stephanie, Cass, Duke. And at first I was a little bit, why is he not saying Barbara? But when he actually, when I got to the next panel mm -hmm. and he actually sort of defined to this, because the last name he says, of course, is Damien. Uh, he saves Damien for last. And when Machine Head asked him, what are you saying, old man? He's like, these are the names of my son's children. 
and I failed them before. And I'm like, damn, but I was not expecting to get an emotional hit from Thomas Wayne from Flashpoint Batman at the end of this story. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, I was kind of rooting for him after that line. Um, so, but, but you know, President Superman swoops in, kind of ends the fight. And it, it becomes this big moment where President Superman has to get to Barry, right? Barry's in this this treadmill. He's getting closer and closer to breaking through the barrier, uh, which will give Darkseid access to the Omniverse and break down all the everything. And why kind of dug, I really like the sequence in here actually. So there's this page where it's like a, a strip in the middle of panels, and there's like vertical panels on either side, mm-hmm. and. It's basically the the giant swoosh beam of like President Superman flying down into where the, the cosmic treadmill is, um, or hamster wheel or whatever this damn thing is. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the beam of the sort of the dome around it cracking and all the rest of it. And then the next page is just this two page like boom white out, you know rumble. Thumb. Yeah, at the bottom, but it's mostly just white. And I do like that you're not entirely sure if it's successful yet. Like, you don't really know right. exactly what's just happened. Has Barry broken the barrier, or has President Superman destroyed everything and grabbed him and it's made, made this this reaction? Uh, turns out to be the latter, of course. So we have kind of an ending here, but uh, I, I, I don't know if... Yeah, yeah, you'll be here for the last issue. But, you know, I, we yeah. said that this was... It didn't feel like this was finished in a story, this, this arc. This felt no, like it was the, the prologue like... to something else. Yeah. And the, the, everything that comes here at the towards the end is, I mean, Roy's alive without the ring. He's just back yep. now, so that's yep. good. Um, so that's neat. Uh, Darkseid's still there. Um, Psycho Pirate vanishes away because he's no longer useful. He's needed for another event. Which that's right. In. Yeah. He's Psycho Pirate shows up at crises. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh. So that's super interesting, and when Machine Head tries to convince Darkseid that he can still help fix this, Darkseid just whips out the Omega Beams and you kills him. Omega beamed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always love the the herky-jerkiness of the Omega. It's not a straight line ever, you know, and I love that, that aspect. Uh, and it looks like Zermanico had some fun. It almost looks like a heartbeat. To me, like yeah. a heartbeat form. It always has that kind of rigid effect to it. You always do that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's got kind of a heart rate monitor kind of look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the the metaphorical V trigger from Omega was delivered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. So really good. I and then the, even the pile at the top of the page after that, which is just like him looking down at, as mm-hmm. the reader with the the beams coming down either side, is really neat. Um, but what's interesting here is he does not kill all of the heroes, right? And that's something that they themselves question when they get back. And everyone seems to have been sent back to where they should be. Uh, Harbinger back at the you know the Justice Incarnate's uh, headquarters that seems to be functioning again. Oh, and it you know it, it says that some of this will be explored in that mini series we're getting, Justice League Incarnate, which starts right. in November. Obviously, we're going to be reading that because I'm really curious to see where all this shit's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of epilogue stuff here. You have Roy drinking a beer, which is apparently brewed from multiple Earths. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Multi multi brewery, which cracks me up because, of course, if you know anything about craft beer, you know they have the silliest names. So of course, in a universe that knows the multiverse exists, someone's gonna cash in on that. Oh, for sure. 
Uh, in fact, probably the one reference we might ever get in, in like proper like mainline continuity to uh, checkmate existing <laughs> is that when yeah. when when Roy asked Chase where did Bones end up, and she's like, oh, I, who knows where he ended up? And there's just a panel of him with all the other characters from Checkmate, and I'm like, oh well, I guess that kind of tied it in a little bit. Yeah, and this also puts in that Checkmate is happening after all of this. It does, so, yeah. So you know, instead of before, which I guess is is nice. Yeah. So. You know, the GSA are trying to monitor what, what Darkseid and what Psycho Pirate was doing, try to figure things out. Uh, Chase is looking in. I really like this scene, though, because obviously this is all just clearing up loose ends, this first part. But then it gets to the really mm-hmm. interesting part of the scene, which is Roy asks how, how Bones convinced her to be involved in all this. And we find out that that, that scene from the first issue, or from the, the Zero issue, whatever one it was, mm-hmm. Where Bones was saw at the, the cafe, he showed her photos of different chases in different worlds, mm-hmm. right? And we see one's like a, a soldier, one's dead, one's got a, a family, you know, husband and kids, one's got mm-hmm. a straight jacket on, and it freaked her out. She says it freaked her out because what if there's a better version of me out there? You know, or, you know, what which version is the bad version? Is extract the bad version? You know, what is it? But right. she ultimately decided that, well, what if I'm the best version and I I just need to like, you mm-hmm. know, put the effort in to be the best version, but I could be the best version. So it's this kind of optimistic thing. It does tease at the end of this scene that where you're probably going to see Roy next is in the Teen Titans book, which is a shame because we're not going to see it. Because we won't. Yeah, we won't. But it does make yeah. sense. It makes sense that he goes there first, at least for a brief right. visit. We also know his daughter's active in Gotham. So maybe... Maybe Catwoman. Catwoman makes the most sense for him to eventually end right. up. Right. I think that's fair. Uh, so extract though is still around. We go to Earth mm-hmm. Omega, which they they don't know where Earth Omega is. Earth Omega's vanished from its sight. Well, it's that, and they don't really know what Earth Omega is. It's like almost a world in between worlds. Because uh, they they say that uh, I think it's President Superman. When he's talking about where it's at, like where are they? Um, so yeah, yeah. So we see on Earth Omega, Extract is pledging allegiance to Darkseid. Darkseid's usual cronies are there, you know. Oh, so you you got Steppenwolf, Dasad, Calabac. Um, I always forget his daughter's name. Grill, 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 and then Granny Goodness. So they're almost looking like a dark quintessence. If you ask me. Hmm. And we get hints of some other villains. Upside Down Man's Air Eclipse was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earth Omega was, a n- was never a world. Uh, as a price of rest of arresting enemy dormant since the first crisis. Is. So it gives you this sense that he's actually kind of building to something else. So to some other villain. Yeah. Uh, and now it wakes. And when you get to the next page, he just calls it the Great Darkness, and we get a two-page spread, which is mostly just black, with just a little bit in mm-hmm. the corner of where they're standing, but it's mostly just darkness. And he specifically mentions that this is something that was, you know, it's not been around since the first crisis. So, right. um, a lot of speculation there, and obviously there's the epilogue to get to. Um, but even just this on its own felt like a big tease to me. It felt like, okay, this feels like we're doing a crisis soon. And then yeah. this epilogue kind of adds on to that, that it's maybe going to be a, a, a crisis with a twist, with a, a gimmick, as, as it were. 
Mm-hmm. So Barry never returned to where he was supposed to go. Barry was still in the the the, the, the speed. He's not in the speed force, is he? He's, he's, no, he's a, he's in whatever you know, whatever that hamster wheel brought him to. Well, so it's I, not the speed force. Well, when he when he gets out, yeah, but I mean, but I'm just mean when he's still running in the like the mm-hmm. the energy, right? I'm like, is that technically yeah. the speed force? Is that whatever? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. but he he lands somewhere, right? He lands somewhere. And he's all kind of confuddled, and he hears a voice. And this person uh, tells him, and it's Pariah, we find that out on the next page, but mm-hmm. this person, Pariah, tells him that this is Multiverse 2. <laughs> Which, I mean, Comics are yeah. so wacky sometimes, you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Just pointing that out. Um, but yeah, this was destroyed in the first crisis. So again, we're referencing that first crisis. We're going back to that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of like coming full circle to the original crisis here. Uh, he talks about that anti-martyr. He talks about Alexander Luther, so it ties in infinite crisis. He talks about Darkseid wanting to control it, which ties in kind of this, but I, I think more so final crisis, I think is the, the main reference that that's trying mm-hmm. to make. Uh, it says, my name is Pariah, and it's time that we moved on. Stop apologizing for the past and let the real multiverse truly live. And he touches Barry, who sort of fades to white as if he's sort of been dismantled. But then, at the panel at the bottom, he's reformed in classic comic book art. And the final page of this comic book is Barry, who is now on Earth Flash 1. And it's a Silver Age-looking piece of art where Barry's at a table, you got a Kid Flash Wally, Jay's there, uh... Tornado the, Twins. The tornado Twins. It, it, you know, it's this uh-huh. sort of old-school Flash family image of them having, like, dinner. And then there's the panel at the bottom that says, uh, of, of Pariah saying, we'll all be happy no matter what to be continued in 2022. So, this, like, to go, go with this meta idea, this looks like Pariah is, at least for the duration of this, like, big event that we're going to get next year, apparently, Mm-hmm. is maybe going to put various heroes into, like, sort of, like, bottled versions of their past, of, like, different it, eras that they existed in or something like that? It, yeah, it's almost like it's giving them their heart's desire, right? Because Barry's surrounded by family. Yeah. So, you know, and it puts him there, it, but that page mimics his death from Crisis, from the first Crisis. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's some form of undoing and redoing, which means like, so what's our Barry up to right now in the Justice League? Like, you know, because as as we know through, you know, Bones went to go work with Checkmate, which means now there's a Barry running around with the Justice League that's not this Barry. At least we don't think it's this Barry. Uh, so. Well, I mean, it does say Earth Flash 1. Is it possible that when all that went down, that Barry's... I don't want to say split, necessarily, but, mm-hmm. you know, we had a, a, a divergence in the multiverse where two paths... You know, one where he just goes back mm-hmm. and he's still Barry Allen, the Justice League, like, like yeah. you know, normal days. But then the other side of it, uh, there's a Barry now that went to this Earth Flash 1. And it makes me wonder, is, is there an Earth Flash 2? And is Earth Flash 2, like, Wally's perfect scenario? Right. Where that's... And if- and is he into Earth Flash 3? Is that Bart's? Yeah, yeah, and so on and so on. And do we get, like, other Earths for other characters? I mean, the title definitely implies that. Um, oh, damn it. He also has Wallace sitting on his lap. 
Oh, so he does. So it is. It is his family. So yeah, man, that's it's wild. So when when we got to the Pariah reveal, I really thought just based off of the silhouette without reading, I thought, oh, we're doing monitors again because mm-hmm. just the way that he's dressed, and it ended up being Pariah, which you know ties up more to to Christ on Infinite Earths. So crazy, but no, this is a solid. You know, this does feel like a prologue and not you know its own series. You know, because I don't, I wouldn't say like this was a fulfilling read. Um, because it just kind of ends. Like I still have fun reading it, but it does wrap up a little bit quick. Like we talked about the Zermanico's art feeling a little rushed. So does kind of the story, a little. So it left um, me excited for this though. Whatever this oh, is, a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> Williamson's got that that down though, because I feel like he's done this to us before, where he teases whatever's coming next, and we're excited for it. Um, that page with all the villains, I still can't figure out who the top one is, right? If it's a nine-panel grid, it's in the two spot. It's like sitting in the chair. Oh, the ones uh, um, around Dark Side when he's making his speech. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know who that is. And then you got Necron on the bottom, Upside Down Man, and Eclipso. Ah, uh, could that I be Trigon? That be. Maybe. Although if it's Trigon, I mean Trigon cuts a different figure usually. So unless this is a new He's in silhouette, so we get like a big beast yeah. a horn. I'd have to go check what Trigon's horns look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Um I mean Trigon would make a lot of sense for the for the threads. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Trigon. It's a it's a different version, but his horns do spike up like antlers like that. Okay. Okay, well, that's cool. But he's not as beastly in that image, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost I like mean, a diminutive Trigon. I think the meta aspect of Pariah being this character who wants to restore everything from before Crisis, because I, I think because of our age range, right, in our generation, we often mm-hmm. wanted to talk about going back to post-Crisis, but there are there mm-hmm. are an older generation who miss pre-Crisis, <laughs> and, right? you know, having a story that kind of tackles that idea a little bit if, if not does something permanent with it now admittedly i don't feel like we need to fix anything now i feel like ever since um i really feel since since snyder did the omniverse death, yeah ever since death metal basically I, yeah. it feels like everything kind of got fixed anyway and enough to the point where it doesn't feel like we have to correct that continuity well. anymore so i'm not sure like I'm not like excited for this story because I feel like things need to be fixed. I'm just excited because okay, we're doing another crisis level thing, and mm-hmm. you know, Pariah possibly being the villain or at least being something that like maybe in like a sort of Barry Allen Flashpoint role ends up causing a big mm-hmm. problem without meaning to, right? Because he he, he thinks you know it's well intentioned because he thinks he's making everyone happy, but uh, right. not really. Uh, like what if what if Darkseid's whole plan to unleash this you know this great darkness. What if that starts to be successful because too many of the Justice League have been have been put in their own right. happy little worlds where they're, uh, you know, and to be honest, maybe Matt, that's what's causing the great darkness, though, right? It's the lack of of light because they're not together because they're all off on their own. Uh, possible, but I mean, at that point though, is is Pariah working for Darkseid? I don't think it doesn't feel like he is. It feels separate. No, but what if what if that? But what if? Not that he's working for him, but just Pariah doing this 
is what is causing the great darkness because it's an absence. Hmm. I actually just wonder if Flash, uh, Barry, that is on in Justice League, is just kind of a mistake that we're just going to have to accept because the main Flash book, like that's the Wally book. So in theory, right. Barry could technically just be gone for you know however many months this mm-hmm. is till this starts. Yeah. Uh. So I, I'm I'm sure there'll be some inconsistencies that don't quite line up with the Justice League book, but you know. Oh, whatever. for sure. You know, whatever. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll pull something wacky where we'll find out that Barry in Justice League is uh, an imposter or something. <laughs> come, come the start of this uh, crisis on perfect earths or whatever they're going to call the damn thing. Uh, I almost said future imperfect and then realized that's a that's a Hulk story. <laughs> Dummy. I can see it be called something like that, like uh, yeah. crisis on ideal earths or something like that like i could see them playing with the the, the name uh because i don't know we'll, we'll see what they end up calling yeah. it but uh it does, it does feel like it's a crisis i mean there's there's too many references yeah. to crisis there's too many multiverse and omniverse related things and then you bring in pariah like and even dark sage reference in the original crisis which i have to assume especially given the way that Pariah starts talking about him watching the worlds of the second multiverse mm-hmm. uh, dying, I have to assume that maybe those link up and it's, it's talking about the great, like, you know, basically the nothing that destroyed all of those right. Earths. You know? Well, that, that's what I'm wondering with the great, because the Great Darkness Saga, it's been a while, but I mean, that's what, what ultimately is, is Darkseid's tied to because of the Legion story. So, but I'm trying to trying to find out here that when when eventually Darkseid is revealed, it's through the Great Darkness. So it doesn't exactly say what it is. Um, maybe Williamson's going to uh, add some new things to this lore. Right? Maybe <laughs> the come come event time. As far as the, as far as the issue itself goes, it's a fun enough read. I yeah. particular like I was, and there's a couple of key moments that I think are really stand out. Like I think Thomas Wayne saying that he's going to protect his his son's family. That, that was, was a good a one. Good moment. I think Chase giving her reason for um, sort of having the will to go on. Uh, Turnwise conversation I thought was very enjoyable. And then all the teases at the end are very tantalizing for what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing that I'd say is maybe the weakest part is probably the first little chunk, which is just a big fight. Well, the big fight's yeah. just kind of whatever. Yeah, that's right. It's, again, it feels kind of rushed in that story that we, we spend a lot of time with that fight and then with the epilogue, because Williamson's going to tease what's going on. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't end up feeling like its own story, just like a jumping off point for what he has planned for 2022. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, what were you rating uh, Infinite Crisis as your six? Uh, it was 7.5. I'll go eight. I, I think those, yeah. those standout moments in my excitement for whatever this is going to be, uh, uh, raises it a little bit so yeah that's where i'll stand batman 112 james tynan the fourth and jorge jimenez on the art uh the first proper issue of fear state um mm-hmm. oh the alpha issue is kind of really the first one but whatever yeah. uh so th- this has there's, there's almost like a, i don't know it's not exactly like robocop but the, all all the, uh, the 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 advertising and sort of uh, public relations material that we see from Saint Industries mm-hmm. throughout this issue was giving me that kind of satirical, 
Yep. Like, you know, swallow because... swallow the, the, the information we're selling you, take the, the cover story, we're here for your protection, you know, buy that for a dollar. And it's, <laughs> it's counter, exactly. And it's counter to what's actually going on where it's a complete mess and not at all what Saint envisioned because he made a deal with a psychopath mm-hmm. in, in Scarecrow. Um, so I do love that, the counter narratives. Uh, and his number one guy is uh, also acting like a psycho because he's dosed right. up on fear toxins. So the whole thing's right. falling apart from Saint's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm art here early on, though. The first you know panel of Batman, that full page of him uh, after he's just breaking out, broken out the chair that he was tied to from Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Then, then even just the following page of him running in the... Not a real field, but in his head he's running from a field of a giant Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very pretty stuff. Um, so yeah, and all all of this is playing out as we're getting, uh, the the news reports, and we're getting the uh, uh not even the news reports, we're getting Simon Saint's speech that he has in this mm-hmm. kind of PR video, uh, talking about how he grew up in the city, how you know the the wealthiest couple were gunned down, and then Batman came, and at first that seemed like a great idea, but then he brought all these crazy people out of the the woodwork, and now they have just made the the city of this joke, and he introduces mm-hmm. Peacekeeper One, and it's all this. This happy stuff, right? This happy PR stuff. Uh, Batman's like crawling to the Batmobile, injects himself with some shit <laughs> to well, try and counteract and, everything. Yeah, because he realizes that that uh, that Crane's gone beyond fear toxin. This is this is something else that he's weaponized, which we know is the Mad Hatter tag. Yeah, yeah, he's working with the Mad Hatter. He'd asked for it in, in the Alpha issue for Saint. So. You know, Batman's putting it together, and that he even tells Barbara, "I can't even trust my own mind right now, because I, I don't lo- know. What I don't even know if I'm talking to you." Yeah, I love the panel actually. When he gets in the car, there's a panel mm-hmm. sort of POV shot looking out the windshield, and like Scarecrow mm-hmm. standing in the rain, and he may not yep. actually be there. Like this may just be in Batman's head, but right. uh, it it just looks gorgeous. And then he's like stands on top of the car and starts oh. scratch at the the car with these needles. It's very Freddy Krueger. Yeah, right? and. And we know that it's in Bruce's head because the windshield's still intact. Yeah, yeah. You know, when uh, you turn the page, but yeah, when you're when it's there, you have no idea. And I, I, I know it's more visceral, but like needle fingers, scarecrow, terrifying. You know, guy, guy in a bag head, a little bit scary, but not that scary. This one, terrifying. So good, good on tying in for the for the wardrobe change. Yeah. So. Batman's on his way to see Oracle. Saint's doing like a, not in person. He's doing like a hologram interview with a chat show host, yeah. which he ends up vomiting at the end of it and like sort of yeah. coming out of it. And he's he's basically freaking out because everything's falling apart, and he's he's like having to pretend on camera that everything's hunky dory and all's going to plan, but in reality, like everything's falling apart. And uh, we cut to, uh, what's his face? He's keeper one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his Mahoney. Yeah. I, just, I was trying to remember his, his actual name. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's like stumbling around in his armor suit, being confused, mm-hmm. and he sees people in the street who are hurt and in and and trouble, mm-hmm. and he he sees like almost like monstrous Joker people, like just like villains that yeah. he has to he has to take care mm-hmm. of. Well, and and they're they're like you remember when he turns around and sees Bane with the broken jaw. Hmm. They're they're very reminiscent of that too. Yeah, the jaws are like all Joker mixed. Yeah, they're yeah, all hanging. Yeah, no, um, you're right. But yeah. Uh, 
So, but to show how much Batman's out of it is that he's on the rooftop near the clock tower and Cass actually sneaks up behind him thinking that he's an intruder. And yep. the other girls come out and they're like, well, you look like shit. <laughs> uh, this, pretty much. this is probably my favorite moment from the issue just to see them, all, all of the, the Batgirls it, as one kind of telling Bruce like, hey man, you're, you're, you need to maybe sit this one out for right now. Like, it, it's a nice moment. Yeah, no, nah, because he points out, like, you know, under normal circumstances, no one should be able to sneak up on him like mm-hmm. that. But right. Cass did. So he knows he's not 100%. Um, and he gets filled in and everything else that there's a fake oracle broadcasting just to stir up trouble. Yeah. Um, and the fake oracle, you know, is just about causing fear because it's, it's not just telling them about Scarecrow and Batman being dead, but yeah. it's also notably saying, oh, Peacekeeper One's, you know, this is not a good thing. This is right. this is psychotic. Which which I'm trying to get a pin on who the anti oracle is, though. Like, is it someone on the outside? Is it Scarecrow? You know, it definitely sounds like it's at Scarecrow's behest because everything yeah. seems to be pushing the narrative of like creating more fear. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my favorite things that comes up here in a couple of pages, uh, they get filled in where the insanity collective are hiding out. Yeah, uh, but. As well, he's talking to Babs in the clock tower. There's a few panels of like just random civilians boarding up their windows because it's just yeah. it's just it's there to show you that the city is in this fear state where they're mm-hmm. all terrified and shit's going down, and they're all kind of like, you know, like actually yeah. it's like Native the Living Dead. They're they're, they're preparing yeah. for for possible invasions and stuff. Yeah. And I love that after that page, there's a full page spread of Scarecrow and a gargoyle in the rain, and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, because it feels like his city now. Right? This is yeah. how Batman usually stands it's, in a Batman well, it comic. Is, and he's on a Batgirl wheel, too. Let's not get lost on that. Yeah, but he's taking over. He's taking Batman's mm-hmm. spot. He's controlling fear. Um, so good. So the end of the issue uh, is actually that Simon is putting into... Basically, he's creating his next Peacekeeper, but it's not Peacekeeper mm-hmm. 2, which you, which you might think it is. He's basically... Despite all of his PR at the start of this issue, and he he was doing the interview, he kept saying, oh no, my peacekeepers are accountable, unlike these vigilantes. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, he had the idea that he needs one that's off the books, one that's not accountable. So we get the introduction at the end here of Peacekeeper X, who is... uh, Who's his assistant, who I don't know the the name of, uh, Ricardo. Hmm. It's him, Man Bun, um, in in a full-on... His own black suit, um, which you know, of course, we should have seen. I mean, he's basically Ed Two Hundred Nine, right? Like, if you're gonna bring up RoboCop, right? This is this is the new. I I appreciate that his man bun still sticking out of his helmet. Yes, uh, yeah. I I enjoy that detail. Keeper X. Uh, so um, so so he's sending out a second enhanced mech suited super soldier into Gotham to take care of his first super soldier who is freaking out on psychotic drugs. Right. <laughs> so that's going to help. That's going to cure the problem immediately, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Also, you kind of skimmed over Ivy, who we only get her a little bit, but it wouldn't be me if I don't bring her up, that she's... They bring up that she's under the city and has basically the bedrock of Gotham wrapped up in, in plant material. And that if she wanted to, she could bring the whole city down on her whim. And I was just like, damn, Tynan, you really souped her up. Because 
I've never heard anything like that. And also, you think that's kind of a reference to No Man's Land? Like, because she has all of that, she could cause something of that magnitude just on her own? I don't know if it's a reference. I mean, if she did... Or an illusion, I guess you could say. If she went through with it, yeah, it would create a No Man's Land style Mm -hmm. scenario, but I, I don't know if that's... Which I don't think that she's... I think this whole game with, with Catwoman and Harley, we're going to get the, the Ivies well, yeah, I mean, to, to, you know... I, I think I said this last time we talked about this, but mm-hmm. it is kind of neat how each half of Ivy is with a different siren. And one half's yeah. with Harley, half's with Catwoman. When right. they finally realize that and put two and two together, right? then yeah. Yeah, we'll get Ivy back uh, in her true form. Yeah, so. and and Harley saying that when she's done with this, she wants her own Robin costume. That that got a giggle out of me. Um, Why not? Just slap yeah. a, just swap yeah. the. Uh, I mean, red and black's already kind of a Robin color scheme yeah. anyway. Just just slap a green R on the chest mm-hmm. and just call it a, a day. green H. You know, on H. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I think it it kept up that that kind of vibe and the feeling that the entire city is in a dire space and everything's yeah. going down um it was still very much an issue one of an arc in that it wasn't like i think because it's been building this for so long it didn't have to establish a lot of things it just had to sell you that we're at a tipping point with them and that right. everything is is dire and all of this stuff's kicking off but in, in reality like if i was going to recommend to someone read F- fear state i would say Read from End yeah. of Joker War. Right. Read all the way from there to now, because that's right. the whole. That, that's actually all of Fear State is then f- until the end of this arc. But yeah, you know, um, basically from A Day onward, right? When they brought up A Day, yeah. Which I forget is that in the is that in the DC comic special? It was it not Infinite Frontier Zero, maybe. Maybe some maybe, some of that. It was yeah. It was in one of the yeah. The it, one was, shots. it was outside of the typical Gotham books, but. You'd almost say start there because that's kind of where the Mahoney stuff starts, and then there it goes. Yeah, goes I, I feel like when you recommend this in the future, you're probably going to be like recommending like the oversized omnibus or hardcover yeah. that has the whole thing, rather than just mm-hmm. this one trade. But yeah, uh, for sure. But that, that's actually what makes it more satisfying, though, when all this is kicking off. But it, it, you know, you wouldn't recommend just this arc on its own starting here. It, it wouldn't yeah. work, or or even yeah. the Alpha issue wouldn't work as a starting point. I don't think. So, but that's okay. That's mm-hmm. not a complaint. I'm actually glad that it's doing that, but uh, yeah. it is worth mentioning. So, uh, good stuff. Art's gorgeous uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. I mentioned I mean, multiple pages and panels. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Spoiled. Anytime I see Jimenez as Barbara, I feel spoiled. So. <laughs> what are you rating them, huh? Uh, 8.5. Yeah, hard to argue with that. 8.5 for me as well. So, cool. That's Batman. Mm-hmm. 112. Yes. 112. 112. Green Lantern Annual 2021 issue 1. So th- this is first of the Green Lantern books because this was supposed to come out last week. So logic yes. just dictates that it should be first. AKA the good one. I disagree with that. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, not that I think this was bad, but no. I would say I preferred uh, oh, I, issue 6. I, I preferred this to. Green Lantern, and we'll, we'll get there when we're talking about Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, but we'll, This again. is, just an overview, this is my kind of Green Lantern book. 
even though it doesn't really feature a Green Lantern, it's it's more about Jess as a Sinestro Corps or a Yellow, whatever we're calling them. Ah, now. does it matter? The colors are relevant. Yeah, but like this is the kind of stuff that I look forward to in a Green Lantern book that I am not getting in 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 the Thorn book. So uh, this scratched that itch, and I got to see Jess again. So that's always a benefit. Ah uh, no, I'm never mad at seeing Jess. I did kind of like so you know Jess comes to New Corrigard after she just got uh, the ring, and you know what? I'm going to like say good job on remembering the story that set up her getting that ring, but I'm also mm-hmm. going to critique it slightly in that I remember enjoying that that small story and that special um well enough, but not enough that I remembered the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I'm gonna be real. <laughs> because e- even when someone told me that the yellow lantern from that other issue was Jess, and then I was like, oh, it's gonna they're gonna explain a lot of it in this annual that's coming up. Um, I didn't remember that we had a short story that ended with her getting a yellow ring. I did not remember yeah. that at all. I I'm gonna be honest, I completely forgot about that story. And I know I read it because it was in you said it was in the, the 80th, right? I don't know if it was that. It was in it was in something like that, yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. It was, it was a short story, and what, but it was it was like a diehard thing where Jess was crawling around with no powers and there was like yellow lanterns. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. Um. So, and she references it a few times here, which is which is mm-hmm. nice. Now, I laid there back and forth. I liked Sinestro effectively try to recruit her a little bit, um, mm-hmm. sort of test her, see what she's like, uh, try to explain the power of fear and how it can be used and how it's not just about scaring people and there's more to it than that and so on well, and so on. And I like that he he compares it to control versus empathy, because everybody can feel fear, right? Not everybody knows willpower, and as she would know, right? Because that's been mm-hmm. her life, and she had to overcome the fear to for the control. But here is like, well, you're fit for this because you 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 can share that empathy of fear, and it doesn't have to be a force for for bad. Uh, yeah, well, and I really like that. So the the writer of this is is Ryan Cady. Yeah, Ryan Cady and Tom so, Dernick on art, just to mention that. Uh, and uh, Sammy Bassery did the majority of the art. Uh, Dernick did pages 24 through 36, but okay, at a certain sorry. point, yeah, at a certain point, it all kind of, like, they complement each other very well. Like, you don't get that. I, th- I think this, this idea of like, fear isn't necessarily an evil thing. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Of course, it makes sense. Like that, that should always be a, a possibility. I mean, that, this is a world. With, yeah, it's a world with Batman in it. Like we have to yeah. accept the possibility I mean, that fear is a useful tool. <laughs> in yeah, in the Sinestro Core War, right? Batman got a yellow ring and he overfought it, right? And it, you know, kept it bottled up, and he ended up not going to New Korgar or Korgar, wherever they were going. Quard, they were going to Quard. That's where his base was. Anyways, yeah, I I like that a lot, and I like that for for Jess too because it really sets her apart. Uh, from the other lanterns, which we—that's why we've always liked her. She's always been since since we've had her in and since Rebirth. She has kind of been the lantern that that stands out above everyone else. And I say this as a Guy Gardner fan. I, there's not too many big Guy Gardner moments in the last couple years, right? Last uh, twenty. <laughs> yeah, I got that far. He he was great in in Green Lantern Corps during. Uh, that was not 20 years ago. I, I was just doing the math. <laughs> He's saying that era, the John's era, is not, it's not 20 years old yet. So, uh, anyways. Um, 
But no, yeah, and, and, and uh, like so, her... it's over a decade though. Just uh, yes, definitely over a decade. Throwing that out there. Uh, yeah. So I think this issue, I think, would have been better if it hadn't been an annual sized issue. I, I think the yeah. length actually hurts it because yeah. I think this could have been a perfect twenty page book, and it would have worked. Um, you know, ultimately it boils down to Jess talks to Sinestro. He tries to recruit her. She says, no, I just want to go home. And he's like, well, there's no ships available, so you can take the yellow ring to go home. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's up to you. Um, and she's on her way home. She almost gets back to Earth, but there's a ship that's in distress. And she tries to intervene to help, of course. She's trying to save people on the ship. And she's recognizing the fear of the pilot and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll get into the details in a minute, but... Ultimately, Hal Jordan shows up, who's one of the two people that we know of who has a working Green Lantern ring, because this is right. different from everyone else's. Yeah, and him and Joe. He intervenes as... I'll be honest, he's kind of a dick. Like, the way he Im- he immediately like just reacts he, to Jessica is kind of he bullshit. He should know, out of anybody, this man's worn just about every color of ring. <laughs> and he should know that that's not necessarily of... of you know. Plus, during Venditti's run, they worked with the yellows. So there's not like a fight on site corollary anymore. He he does so he does this thing where when she mentions that she dropped off like the other the Sinestro mm-hmm. lanterns back at uh, New Carrigar, he's like, oh you stopped off there for a job interview. I'm like, why are you being a yep. dick? <laughs> also, when he got drafted into the Green Lantern Corps, he he should again he should know. Sometimes the rings just takes you to the home base. Like, yeah, this this is my main problem with this issue is the voice for for Hal is completely off. You know, yeah. especially a Hal that's been seasoned as a leader since at least Rebirth, right? We're only take it back that far. It just, it, none of that ring true. Yeah, Hal, Hal's just an asshole here. Uh, there is a neat little twist where, you know, the captain of the ship that Jess mm-hmm. starts talking to she senses that he's very afraid and it might even be dangerous for him to keep making decisions because it'll basically all the mercenaries on the ship are getting anxious. And if the leadership's not there to kind of rein them in, they might do something stupid and it'll just create a bigger disaster. So she kind of relieves him of his duty and the second in command takes over. But then the sort of little twist is, is that part of the reason why he was scared is that the second command was actually working with mercenaries to like take over the ship. And Uh there was kind of a double cross thing happening in the first place. Um, but all of this is a bit more complex and lasts a bit longer than it needs to be because uh, there's a whole there's a whole confrontation with Jess and the ship and then Hal shows up they have an extended like conversation and then it goes back to dealing with the ship again it's all just a little bit too drawn out and I really feel like this being boiled down to a more streamlined 20 pages would have helped it a lot and Hal's, yeah. Hal, and as we said Hal's voice is just too much of an asshole uh, and I, I know he can be a dick at times I'm not saying it's completely out of character no but like but, and I get it, but someone that he knows that that shared, you know, shared a sector with him, he should know that if she's showing up in a lantern, uh, in a yellow lantern suit, and that none of the other greens are working because the power ba- power battery's dead. He shouldn't be like shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah, maybe maybe her having a yellow ring right now yeah. is a good thing, given that there's no green rings going about. Exactly. Maybe she can help go and save all the other Green Lanterns. Uh, Jess tells Hal to stay at Earth and protect Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, Jess is obviously going to be a factor in the main book going forward. I like that she is going to be a main factor. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, so she goes back. Accepts being a yellow lantern. She's going to be working with a Drac, Lisa Drac, and that's so they've got kind of a. So they may even get some awkward buddy cop stale stories with them. Yeah. But she does say that she's not going to say the oath. She's still charging her ring, but she's not saying yep. the Sinestro uh, core oath, which is uh, an interesting thing. I do like. Uh, yeah, I'm all right with that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is okay. This is okay, it, but it was over long. Hal's voice was a bit iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt the length and yeah, thought, sure. you know, so. But, I, I enjoyed it nonetheless, though. Like, it wasn't a read that, you know, when I started it, we, we got to a little bit of late start because I had to finish this. Because uh, I could have just been like, oh, I'm not going to finish it. But I was enjoying it so much that that I, you know, but no, I, I liked it. I liked the just story. I liked it. You know, the whole Sinestro. I love when he's not a mustache twirling villain. So I liked that he, when he actually has his principles, um, and, and that's him here pointing out that he senses the greatness in, in Jess and that, you know, whatever this reform Sinestro core is going to be that she's almost like the beacon of it. Cause she even says, you know, he tells the, the, the story that, that fear, or not the story that, gives her kind of a pep talk of let fear be the beacon. And that's where the whole one candle at a time uh, at the end comes from. And I like that. It's It, it fits the version of Sinestro that I like that we kind of backtracked on when he started running around with Lex with, with you know, in, in Justice League, where he, you know, got the, what was that, the ultraviolet yeah. ring and whatnot. You know, but so this, this kind of principled anti-hero Sinestro I'm I'm happy to see you again. Yeah, and I, I you know I don't suspect Jess is this is not a permanent change. She'll be a Green Lantern again at some Ooh. point, but yeah, I do like her realizing you know I can do some good with this, especially in this time of crisis, especially right now yep. where the, the Lanterns that do exist who don't have rings right now need all the help they can get. <laughs> so mm-hmm. her, her being able to show up and actually have some power is probably a really good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you know, it was okay. It was okay. What are you rating them at? Uh, seven point five. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go like a six. Okay. Yeah, let's say that wasn't bad, but I, I just, I, I felt that, I felt the annualness of it, even though I, I love Jess and I love, you know, getting more stories about her. But hey, uh, Green Lantern issue six, Jeffrey Thorne writing with Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci. On the art, oh, and this is uh like like all the Green Lantern issues have been. This is two halves, yeah. uh, and the first one is actually the other side of the Kelly story from last time, where you know we got Kelly on on New Corrigar on her own. Mm-hmm. This time we get the Joe and to some extent Simon as well, who's we see like him like, getting into his little pod and you know going down to the the planet, but we get uh Joe's decision making here. And more importantly, Joe kind of having a one-on-one with Sinestro. So a lot of Sinestro one-on-one talk yeah. uh, this week in the comics. Um, and obviously this ship has been run by uh, mostly Thanagarians. Uh, this is a United Planet ship. Uh, so now you already said uh, in advance that you weren't so hot on this. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. In particular, this first half I really liked. Yeah. The back half I'm, is, is my bigger problem. Um, I like all the Joe stuff because I get we're in a crisis because the power battery's done. Um, I just like, 
for the longest time now I've talked about, I want, you know, kind of for Green Lantern to to get away kind of from the space opery elements. And and Thorne's done that. But like this is again, it doesn't feel like a Green Lantern book at this point. It feels like it's its own type of sci-fi kind of book, and there's not a lot of Green Lantern-ness to it that I look for. Whereas in the annual where we had Jess doing the ring slinging, even with the yellow, doing almost superhero-y stuff, going around the universe. That wasn't really the space opera. Like, sure, the Yellow Lantern stuff's there. But it was, you know, going around and, and helping people. And, and here it's just been really set on, we're going to tell a Green Lantern story that's not a Green Lantern story, which, which is cool. It's just not for me. And it's, the the John Stewart story is kind of running my my patience, you know, at this point. Whereas I, I, I'll take more of the Joe story and Kelly, and I, I like all this. I like them trying to put the pieces together. But yeah, I'm just not enjoying what's what Thorne's putting out. I don't think I understand half of what you just said, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I, I don't really understand why this is not a Green Lantern story, or... So, so when, when you blow up the power battery, right, and all the lanterns get stranded and stuff, right? So we did have John on that planet going. It's just, it's... It's not very Green Lantern-y, you know, like, which I understand him wanting to tell a different kind of story, but it's, it's more just sci-fi, whereas, like, I like the superhero elements. I don't feel there's a lot of superhero elements right now to it, you know, and I kind of want that space copy. So I liked uh, Green Lanterns so much is we got to see them, you know, Simon and Jess do that. Um, and, and here it has not been for the, for the, at least since issue two, I was really high on issue one and it's been a slow decline that with each issue, I enjoy it less. Especially yeah, the I, Stewart story. I, yeah, I don't think I could disagree more with this. That's, I mean, not, not so much oh, that I yeah. think this is perfect, but yeah. I don't think I could disagree more with this sentiment just because mm-hmm. to me, this is the most interesting thing they've done with Green Lantern since that book ended, um, which is... Yeah, and it can be interesting, but that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy it. Like, yeah, it's it's different. And no, but, to, but, to, but to me, him. like, you're saying it's not a Green Lantern story, but it is to me, because the whole point of this is what happens to the Green Lanterns when all the rings are taken away? That's a crisis they have to deal with. And to me, that is something that's right, actually fascinating so to explore and tell a story of, of their determination and what makes them heroes even without the power rings. That's that, that's interesting stuff, and it's also given right, the spotlight gonna, to Joe gonna... and Kelly. Like this is all great stuff to me, particularly this half oh, I, of the story. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I just with, I I want to see the ring slinging stuff, and it's like if you put put in let's say a <laughs> oh and define ring slinging. You keep you keep saying ring slinging. Define ring slinging. So that that's when they're doing the superhero stuff, right? That's when they're going around with the rings and they're 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 doing the space cop. I guess I should say space cop stuff. Because that's that's what I feel has been been missing for a while. Because we've gotten a lot of the Johns, like even under Venditti, he fell into this with the different Lantern factions and the coexistence and Hal trying to manage all that stuff. So again, I give Thorne credit for doing something completely different, right? But it's not what I like. This is almost like similar to what what Morrison did with Green Lantern, where it's like, okay, I respect that you want to do something of your own 
I'm just not, it's not gelling with me. I don't think that it's, this... It's, it's not to the quality, it's just a story that I'm not, like... I don't think this is, like... Because Green Lanterns was notably back to them just being superheroes, and that was something mm-hmm. that was missing for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. And everything that I've heard about Venditti's run says that it was more just Green Lantern multiple core space opera stuff. And this is mm-hmm. still space opera stuff, obviously, but it's obviously not doing the multiple lanterns. I mean, yeah, the yellow lanterns are there. They exist. But it's that's not what it's focusing on. That's not the key element. No. Um, so... I guess what I'm saying is, is I, I don't get the complaint specifically about what? this story when all of Vendetti's stuff and most of Jeff Johnsy's stuff uh, falls right. under not doing right. the traditional superhero Green Lantern stuff anyway. Right. So, like, again, I wanted it to get away from that. And this, again, Thorne has gotten away from that. It's doing its own, I guess you could say, space opera thing. I don't define this as space opera. This is, to me, more like, it's more sci-fi like more hard sci-fi than what I'm used to in Green Lantern. Like with with John having to, you know, interpret all the different aliens and you have the whole slavers thing and all of this. Like, um, but like, like I, I get what you're saying about them having to come up without their rings and stuff. But to me, that's I, that's not why I read get excited to read Green Lantern. I guess. Like I just. I feel like he's handicapped them and tied a hand behind their back. And now we're going like, hey, look at them not be Green Lanterns. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know, Matt. I feel like you're trying to handicap the writers by saying this is what a Green Lantern story has to be, or this is how no, a Green Lantern story that. should just, function. It doesn't feel like a Green Lantern story. 100% it doesn't. The Joe stuff kind of does. But this, the stuff with, with John, I, just, I don't care about it. I want to skip it. And then you throw you throw um, Kilowog in there, and I get excited, and I'm just like, oh, okay, we're doing more sci-fi. We got to go, you know, rescue them. And you throw in these the the golden angel looking things. I'm just like, all right, I'm kind of out on this. Yeah, we'll, like, get, this we'll, get, not doing we'll get to it in a minute. We'll get to it in a minute. I I just I don't know. I your broad complaints here feel kind of weird to me. Like, I, I, they, uh, I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I mean, whatever. Like, yeah, that's I fine. Just, it's but, not, uh, it's not, if it was all like, again, if it, if we were just getting the Kelly stuff and then I think it's also breaking it up where it just, it feels like two, these feel like two backups that they're smashing together. Right. Like I could get, if we were getting more of the John Stewart stuff and more of the Joe stuff, but just, they almost, feel split evenly and it doesn't i don't feel like enough's getting in the attention that could be part of it well, stuff like we, Matt, it doesn't feel like have... it doesn't feel like that it's literally split evenly <laughs> no i know but i'm saying but you could one side could feel more important than the other like that's what you're putting emphasis on so i feel like i'm reading two separate books in one whereas i feel like if we had gotten an arc that was all the joe stuff and then we got an arc that was all the john stewart stuff as it goes I think I might enjoy that a little bit more, but just the way that this is split too, it feels like I'm reading two backups where I don't know. Uh, the format doesn't bother me uh, in a particular way. I, I mean, I am definitely enjoying the Joe and Kelly side of the story mm-hmm. more than I'm enjoying the the John side. But the John side still has its moments, and there's still things I like about it. Um, to to me, this is kind of a classic story for any character to go through. 
or any group of characters where you you strip them of their main crutch of their main thing and it's all about showing how they're still those people even without their powers or it's a classic superhero trope you know every superheroes went yeah. through this in some way you know whether it's superman losing his powers whether it's Bruce Wayne losing his money, <laughs> whether it's, um, you know, whatever, take your pick. Spider-Man no more. Uh, I mean, he does but, that like every four years. Yeah, the, the, the list goes on yeah. and on and on. So it's not just, and obviously there's been stories before where Hal will lose his ring or John will mm-hmm. lose his ring. But well, that's, that's the whole thing. It's not like the, this is not anything that's new. I mean, again, Thorne, the way that he's telling the story is is fine, but like we've we've done the no ring lantern kind of thing and i just don't find this version of it interesting like i get again i get to the john stuff and i'm kind of like okay i'll get through this you know versus the joe stuff where i like her as a character and i like kelly as a character and seeing how these two basically these are our two green lantern representatives who aren't actually green lanterns as we know them right like who knows what kelly's gauntlet is and joe's ring is completely we don't even know who gave it to her and we know that it just runs off of, like, not off of a typical power battery. We know all the different stuff. So the fact that these are our two lanterns, to me, that's way more interesting than what John's doing. But that's, again, that's just me. Yeah. Also, but there's an even split. It's, li- it's literally 50-50 in the book. So it's kind of weird to lean so heavily into the John stuff that you don't like and sort of, I- like... Give the other stuff like a sort of passing mention after the fact. Like, I mean, I do like this stuff, but I was like, it is half and half. It is literally split down the middle. Right. So I like the front half of this issue more than the back. Half. <laughs> like, like, I just, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get a lot of what you're saying. A, a lot of it just feels like senses that don't make sense to me. I'm like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fair. But like, yeah. I, I just, I don't understand how you're contextualizing some of it. Because I'm because I'm not enjoying what I'm I'm reading, and when I think about why I don't enjoy it, I try to explain it that it's just not to me. The the John Stewart stuff is it's it's not interesting. Like I like I get it. We he doesn't have the ring, and this this is what makes him a hero. But we already know all this about John. But that, like, but that, he's, but yeah, but that's not why. Like, it's not, like if if I agreed that it's not interesting, and I don't think it's yeah. amazing. Like I don't think it's the weaker half of the book, but. The part that makes it not interesting isn't that he doesn't have the ring. That's like that. That is not the issue at all. If it's not interesting, it's because you're not enjoying the characterization, or you're not enjoying the other characters that he's interacting with, or you're not well, enjoying the storytelling well, craft. Then, like then that's that, the problem. Is. It's it's not it's not the fact that he doesn't have the ring. You're boiling right. it down to this so, really simple like, concept. That's okay. So then thinking about it like that, then I really don't care about the planet that he came that he was stuck on, like. He, That's he saved yeah. him from the slavers. They they launched the ships. They did all that. Like I just, it it again, it feels like I'm reading. It almost feels like a different book. That's like again, I don't want to say it's not Green Lantern, but it doesn't feel like. It feels like this hard sci-fi book that I wouldn't read if Green Lantern wasn't on the title, right? Like if I went into this book and this was a completely different character than John Stewart or Kilowog or anybody, I would have stopped reading it by now. Because I'm just like, oh, it's a typical sci-fi story where he's going to overcome not being a space cop anymore or whatever. You know, that's not what I'm looking for in, in the title, I guess. Versus the annual, right? Whereas that's what I look for in a Green Lantern book. 
that's that's to me that's what i when i pick it up that's what i expect to read so you know because because well I'll, I'll from another universe when thor wasn't thor anymore i didn't have any issue with that because of the story that aaron chose to tell with thor being unworthy and and you know jane thor picking up the hammer and having her adventures you know that story went i was fine with because so i guess it's just all the story that thor and selling uh deciding to tell is just not i'm not enjoying it yeah so so it's, it's not this case it, so so that kind of that disproves your original point then right it's, it's not about it not being a green lantern book whatever that means in this context is right. it's more just the actual storytelling itself that's the issue sure i mean i just boiled it down to to as quick as i could why i thought i wasn't enjoying it and thank you for helping me uncover what the actual <laughs> underneath is well because it was but... a big statement that broadly doesn't really mean anything like you know you, you sure. could you could say that about anything you don't like and say well this isn't really a this thing but well what kind of is it's just you know well i mean um, anything could be a, 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 I mean, this could be a batman story for all you know like you know what I mean? So I understand that. But what I was enjoying with like issue one, like the 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 free fall this book has done from issue one where I came in like, oh man, this is great. I love this like so much, even more than you. I don't remember how Connor felt about it. Maybe he wasn't here. He wasn't super hot on it. Yeah. So like, but I came, I was like, man, this is great. This is a step in the right direction. It feels fresh and feels new. And now I'm just kind of like, well, this is not, <laughs> I'm not enjoying the story anymore. Like, yeah, I, I disagree with that narrative. I don't think it's free falling at all. I think issue two is better than issue one. And I think that the the Kelly and Joe side of the story has been very consistent. If I, I think the John side of the story has been fairly consistent. If anything, the John side of the story got a little bit better because it wrapped up that planet stuff that was a little bit dull. And for the most part, we're, we're leaving that population behind. Like, there's that one main character right. who's still there to talk to him, but even she doesn't right. feel like she's coming with him uh, as, as he goes on this mission. Now we're getting space angels that look like Zoriel, and I'm just like, all right, all right. But anyway, you, you've you've torpedoed this conversation yeah. because we're, we're supposed to work through the book, right? So, uh, Joe goes down to New Corrigar, um, dealing with the the various liners as she can, and of course, Sinestro looks at her and goes, "You've got a ring, you have a working lantern ring. What is this?" Uh, and immediately, because what one of the things I liked about this is that. When she's on the ship, she's actually watching like recordings and like footage of old Sinestro fights mm -hmm. and trying to understand what he's like because she's never met him before. Unlike right. every other Green Lantern that's you know mm -hmm. been in a Green Lantern book, she's never encountered Sinestro, so this is kind of a big deal. And she's in with a you know a lot of swagger, a, a lot of confidence because she's Joe. It's very, very much the Joe that we know from from her book. Like I felt like this was almost cut right from from that one. What was that book called? Help me out here. My brain's not working so good right now. Bar Sector? Bar Sector, there we go. <laughs> so, so this felt very much like her talking to one of the leaders in Bar Sector. You know, she goes in there with the same tone. Yeah. Uh, Sinestro even appreciates that, to be honest. <laughs> he kind of he laughs and says, you're a delight. Um, and I can't really deny any of these things you've just called me, because, you know, she calls him a murderer, and, you know... Uh, <laughs> What was there? Uh, dictator, ruthless, metho methodical, focused, gifted tactician. <laughs> uh, whole list of things. Um, he's doing yes, yes, and yes. Yes. Uh, so, but she does agree that he's not a liar. 
Uh, and she's like, well, okay, I'll ask the question that I'm here to ask. Did, did you, are you responsible for the power battery? And he basically says, nope, if that was me, I would have pissed on the grave of, of, of Oa. Uh-huh. He would have wrote his name across the, the, uh, carcass of that was Oa. Yeah. I, I kind of like, that, that checks out for, for Sinestro. What I kind of dig about this as well is that in the previous issue, obviously Simon showed up, uh, to get mm-hmm. Kelly. We never even got a hint, I don't think. Or maybe we did, like, a small one. But I, there wasn't really any indication that I remember that Joe was also there and was also doing stuff on the planet. So I kind of like this, that we get the start of it before they launch, and it's like, oh, she's here too. And no, but she goes and speaks to Sinestro this entire time. That's what's going on. And it also explains why Sinestro didn't show up to, like, fight Simon or get involved with anything else that was going on down there, right? When all that stuff was happening. She, he was too busy talking to Joe. So right. I, I kind of like that. I like that double side uh, of, of this encounter. Um, uh, and I, I, I think it's notable because it's Joe interacting with Sinestro for the first time, who is the most prominent anti-hero to antagonist, depending on, you know, where mm-hmm. we are, Green Lantern story-wise. Uh, so I, I think that encounter is a big deal. And because she is this kind of offshoot Green Lantern, who does have a different attitude, who doesn't necessarily respect the system in the same way that everyone else does because she didn't go through it the same way that everyone else right. did. Uh, and even, even Sinestro, that separates her from. Because Sinestro went through the Green Lantern process like everyone else does. He went through it like Hal Jordan. He went through it like Kilowog I mean, and everyone Hal's, else. He was Hal's teacher. Yeah, yeah. He was an active Green Lantern. And she's different from him. She didn't go through that same experience. So, And that's maybe why he does respond to her. Maybe that's why he does enjoy this interaction because she does respond differently to the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they're all because not, not that they're all not unique in their own ways because they are, but she's just fundamentally right, different. But even even Simon's a, um, a step closer to going through it more than Joe is, and mm-hmm. I think Sinestro would have had a different reaction to had him him come down, barreling down, you know. So it her outsider perspective is what brought to him because he's the ultimate like because to me. Deep down, Sinestro is still a Green Lantern. You know, like he he has this whole basically, you know, I don't want to say cosplay because they they have their own thing, but he he formed his own group based almost off of the antithesis of what the Green Lanterns were. But you know, so he's always been an outsider, and so she can reach him that way, and I did like that. Yeah, uh, and then we jump to the second story. Uh, second half of the book, which is starts with a Kilowog distress call, which they're watching, and we get the hints of these angel-like beings that are putting people into a trance and making them all walk, walk into a portal. This is happening on the planet that Kilowog stranded on. Only him and a few other people are immune to this trance mm-hmm. that they're all put into. And then the the recording cuts off, and like you know, John and Salak are all like super concerned, and it basically is like, okay, we have to get to him, we have to help him, all the rest of it. Uh, but the the alien that came with John, uh, she's like, hey, now we know about these beings and kind of links up to his brain and shows him the history that she knows about. Uh, this, this is like her grandparents' memories of this war that happened once upon a time. Uh, these were beings that came out and they, because they were so angelic looking, people actually thought they were, you know, from heaven or godly or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it basically put a lot of people in a trance and they all just like sort of walked into these portals for them and 
it just kind of sets up the, the kind of the, the, the trouble they're dealing with. So it's basically just all them setting up to go on this mission. Um, and John uh, gets upset when he recognizes uh, one of the characters who was on Oa when the power battery went. Um, Lonar is his name, which is kind of a weird name, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the end of the issues, like them taking off with us. So, um, first half's definitely stronger. There's no denying that. I don't think the storytelling in the back half is too bad, though. I, I do like the distress call from Kilowog starting things off and it being about going to rescue him. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, some of the backstory with these angel-looking aliens is just kind of whatever. Like, I'm not... Like, yeah. This is the thing. I think I probably sound super positive because I'm countering your... Yeah, probably. Your super negativity. <laughs> but, yeah. like, I don't think it's an amazing comic book. I, I think... I said this about Flash as well, but I think it's just a really good B-tier Green Lantern book. And I'm kind of enjoying the pulpiness of it. I'm enjoying uh, some of the character development, particularly for Joe, uh, and some of those other characters in that first half. But um, even the the John side of it, like all these Lanterns try to deal with the fact that so many Lanterns are dying, none of them have rings, and everyone's desperate. Like, there's going to be a fun turning point in this story where it's like, okay, we have to go on the offensive. And you know there's going to be a moment where all the Lantern rings come back online. And it's going to be mm-hmm. some big payoff to the the two or three arcs that we go through without them. I I, I you know I I'm in I'm I'm having fun with it. It, it. It's never a tough read, um. And you know I, I did feel the length of that annual, whereas I never felt the length of this, even though it's a little bit longer than a regular issue. So it's about thirty pages as opposed to uh, twenty. Uh, each story gets about fifteen. Um, so yeah, the art is definitely better in the first half as well. I will say that. Uh, the art in these. You know, the, the big head syndrome. It's not as prevalent, I'll say, in this particular issue. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can definitely tell it's the same artist. I, I will say that. So, um, Not bad. But uh, because of that first debate, that went on a bit longer than I thought yeah. Green Lantern would. That's Matt's fault. That's I'm my fault. I'm blaming Matt. So I'm, I'm being quiet now. <laughs> I'm not prolonging this anymore. Matt, what are you rating Green Lantern issue 6? 6. Well, how, uh, how on point? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll I'll go with a nice comfortable seven. I was tempted to go seven point five. I, I I won't quite go that high, but I really like Joe's first interaction with Sinestro. Um, I don't I don't hate the John Stewart stuff. I I I'm enjoying it well enough, but it's definitely the weaker half of the. I shouldn't say I hate it. I just don't like it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you come in sw- making big swings, this is not what I want in a Green Lantern book. This is not I what mean, I want. It's not, but. Uh, yeah, but. It's not a lie. Yeah, it's but. It's not a lie. You know, you repeat it a few times, it starts to sound like I hate this piece of trash. Why is it in my existence? Get it out of my no, face. because I, I reserve that for very few things. You know? Yeah, like Star Wars. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> You're the one that's excited over uh, that, that video game getting a, a re up. I'm not excited. I said people would be happy about that. I was acknowledging it was a big announcement. That was all. Yeah, I know. That was just payback for you telling people through the Mild Fuzz account to sell to, to wish me a happy Batman day when it happened. Uh, excuse me. It was the at DC Comics uh, podcast account. The yeah, yeah, Artware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. People saw it. People thought it was hilarious. I wasn't one well, of Well, yeah, them. but there's also an at Mild Fuzz... Matt Mails underscore first Twitter. 
Gotcha. Well, it was the the show one, and yeah, so I had to get Pete back by trying to make it sound like he was excited for uh, what is this? Knights of the Old Republic? No, whatever that game yeah, is. Yeah, that, that's the one. Is that what it is? Yeah. Kotor. Yeah, that one. Jeez, video games. It was a remake. Yeah. Uh, there's also hey. going to be a Wolverine game by Insomniac who made Spider-Man, which... Yeah, my brother texted me told me I should be excited. I was like, bro, I still have games from like three years ago that I haven't played. I'll get to it eventually. That said, uh, God of War has a Thor that looks very much like me. So, that's 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 cool. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. The Swamp Thing issue 7, Ram V rating Mike Perkins on the art. Obviously, this has been a highlight, this book, yeah, uh, since yep, it started. Yep. Uh, Connor was a little bit more critical of the last issue. Um, not that he didn't like it, but he was he was disappointed of uh, this Suicide Squad kind of connected section taking up multiple issues. Um, I, I honestly, don't mind it because it gets into the... the how Levi ended up... Yeah, I, I think especially with this issue, I think it's very clear here that this is less... Yeah. I mean, yeah... Technically, they can call it a crossover because it's a Suicide Squad that are here, but this is still very much the Swamp Thing story that happens yeah. to be, have some Suicide Squad guest stars in it. Like, you right. know. And, and of course, a, a multinational company is going to call Amanda Waller and go, hey, get get us in there. You know, yeah, those, like, those are, you know. we're having so issues. We ended last issue with the big cliffhanger uh, of uh, Heatwave being attacked mm-hmm. uh, by Swamp Thing from behind. Uh, we get, end up well for Heatwave. Yeah, we get we get the aftermath of that. We also get some wonderful art of uh, Kimo walking through and just like basically just like destroying parts of the forest because he's yeah. his radiation is just killing it, which is yep. delightful in a dark way. Uh, but yeah, so this is something that was in the last issue as well as the flashbacks to his relationship with his brother and his father. Uh, the idea that he was there to represent the company, Levi. He's there to sort of convince them to, because his dad's on like the the board of like the townsfolk. The elder council. Yeah, the elder council, yeah. uh, and the the company wants to take the forest, and they're going to say no. Uh, is the ultimate thing, but we right. get these flashbacks, and we get the the idea that Levi's connecting to the forest, and he's like seeing the entire history of of this place. He's seeing you know ancient beings. He's seeing. Um, the oil industry, the the and you know the industrial age sort of come in and yeah. things like you, that. You said it perfect with with the history of of the region, um, and as it ends now, and and almost you kind of see why it why the green reached out, yeah, through him. And then the Suicide Squad member whose name I I cannot remember. I don't know. She, I don't know her. But she, she's got like weird telepath uh-huh. powers or whatever because she's she basically is able to convince I'll tell you, this is what uh league of comic geeks is good for that the other site that we used to use uh um wasn't diamond that the most of the time they'll tell you who's in the book um true dc what nightmare is, nurse nightmare nurse there you go yeah. uh and that makes sense because you know he thinks she yeah. sees jennifer well yeah. she she feeds off of his trauma and as we've learned <laughs> levi <laughs> There's uh, a lot of trauma. There's a lot of especially trauma, yeah. surrounding this this area. And this, and this leads us into the flashbacks where he's talking to his brother and his father, and his father's talking about the roots, you know, feel the roots, they're, you know, they're thousands of years old, and he tells this story about, um, you know, this you know, story of ancient days where, uh, where's the, oh, I just want to get the, the, the phrasing right yes, here. It's local folklore. 
Yeah, let's talk with folklore about, about this brother who was trying to heal his brother by finding the, the cure in the forest and basically ultimately realized that the cure was to carry the whole forest on his back, right? It was all about... The, the, the idea being that there wasn't a quick fix. Uh, and this story's fine on its own. I thought the way this came back up later was wonderful. Like, I thought that was like the, 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 the punch of the book where it was yep. like, okay, it all came together in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, he's like, no, this is progress. The company should come in. It should come in and, like, you know, advance science by using the, the rich resources in this place. And you know, as far as you just don't get, you know, for some, someone with all that education and all the fancy, the, the, you know, the job titles, you, you really an idiot sometimes. Um, and I love how he keeps teasing chemo. Like, you know, when, when Nightmare yeah. Nurse is, like, you know, all tied into Swamp Thing and he's still lying down. There's just these panels every so often of chemo walking through a barren forest with just nothing but dead branches. Uh, Random, yeah. Really like, he's really a force of destruction. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, and again, it continues this, and we get sort of the, the dark ending to this backstory, which is basically the you know the, the, the council voted against the company, but the company basically just paid off the government to put in some laws that would allow it to you know claim it. And the the council and the townsfolk uh, decided to protest. It turned violent, and his father got shot. This is how his father died. Is a protest yeah, which, that came from the company he was representing through a right, you know which, chain of events. Right, and and so he has tremendous guilt. So I thought this was just his father dying of cancer, a heart mm-hmm. issue. But when you come to find out, it's from you know an act that. He's kind of responsible for, and then when you tie that into the brother and his memories of his brother being so upset, you know, it all makes sense now. This was kind of the one that pulled the veil back, the one issue that we we understand why he has he was in the state that he was in at the beginning of the book. You know, he wasn't yeah. sleeping, he was having all these issues. You know, everything makes sense now. Yeah, I you know I think the way it was implied at the start, and maybe they'll still do this, but we kind of took it as oh his brother did something that resulted in becoming Swamp Thing, but right. this issue kind of makes me think that it was just the absolute like dose of trauma that came from mm-hmm. this entire experience and what his brother said to him right before his father got killed, right? Is actually and, what and triggered to it. Levi, you know, right? And and to Levi, he might not have even a clear picture, right? Because of where mentally he was when all this was going on and and now through coming back to the forest given that this part of the arc isn't done with this issue i suspect there's still more to learn next time through flashbacks that may actually further like clarify exactly Mm -hmm. how he became the new avatar of the green how he became the new swamp thing but when you look at like past versions there's usually a scientific accident uh, the, the way it kind of sounded like with his brother, it was almost making me think of like almost like a cheetah style thing where the brother like made mm-hmm. some sort of pact with the forest. And, and that's what I thought too. And this, this obviously everything we see in these flashbacks does not even imply that at all. It does not even hint towards that. So no. to me, the way it talks about and this issue, particularly when Nightmare Nurse is uh, cutting into him, she's talking about how his trauma is what the green connects to. And you know that's what she's like exploiting and she's going to maybe you know sever it so that he can't connect to the green anymore and again it's teasing chemo we get that big panel of him like stomping through the forest and it's like you know the, the panel's looking up from under his foot and all this stuff but ultimately 
when she's doing this, and this to me I thought was a fantastic payoff to the earlier story that his uh, father told him, mm-hmm. um, is that sometimes the cure is to carry the mountain. Um, the idea being that he's only ever going to deal with his trauma and deal with his pain if he lives with all of it and learns to deal with it. He, you know, cutting it out and forgetting it and not knowing about it is not the cure. That's not going to be the solution. That's not really getting better. What's actually nope. getting better is is living with all of it. Um, and that's and all of it's important. It, so yeah, and that, that's when you think about the other avatars that we've met through Swamp Thing. It's kind of their that kind of is what they they all share, right? Like for the longest time, Swamp Thing wasn't actually Alex Holland, right? It was just his memories and him, you know, not realizing that. And then when it was him and him learning, basically have to deal with being this creature, no longer a man, you know, a swamp thing, you know, and, and now this is a whole different take on that. I, I, I mean, Ram V is really good at this, you know, because it's, it is swamp thing as we know it, but he's added this layer of the guilt and the trauma and, him wearing this like a like a badge almost. Yeah, he, I mean, he's given this option to like lose all these memories and lose being the avatar of the green, and he'll just like, and they won't even have a reason to like do anything to him because then he'll just be a guy lying in the forest. And he'll, right. he'll just leave him alone. But he's like, no, I have to keep these memories. Like that's the one right. thing he feels in this moment. So she leaves him in this cave, and the issue ends. Chemo just vomits radiation into this cave, and we see like him almost melting into just like toxic waste mm-hmm. but there's a panel at the bottom of this of, of swamp things hand holding the the hand of his father you can see like the hospital tag mm-hmm. in the the tube the iv and it's it's this kind of symbolic moment of him sort of embracing his his trauma embracing his past and mm-hmm. and what, what he's and that the big final page is him just like going like super swamp thing on chemo uh, head well, to head, and he calls upon the green and his knowledge of the green to focus on plants that are like they they put up a fight against. Yeah, he, yeah, he said, yeah, he says, yeah, the uh, uh, plants that are known to resist yeah. certain types of toxic uh, yeah. elements, uh, and he lists a few of them, which is a really neat yeah. thing. And he and really, and, and, and really the, cool. the cool thematic thing at the end of this as well is that when he we do get this full page spread of him attacking chemo at full strength. He he refers to himself uh, and uh, Kazaranga uh, together, mm-hmm. meaning yep. the idea being that he's fighting him with the full force of this forest, this jungle, which is it's the ancient. very which is the very th- well, yes, yeah, ancient, but it's the, the, thematically though, it's the very thing that his father was trying to save. So it's super mm-hmm. symbolic, and the idea that he can only even fight this battle and win this battle with the full strength of everything that his father was trying to mm-hmm. save. There's a lot of subtext, there's a lot of layers there to that, yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of beautiful. No, not kind of, it is. Like, it's, you know, it really informs who Levi is now. Yeah, it's, it's, that's his strength, right? You know, so mm-hmm. the, the mountain he's carrying is literally also his strength, and that's just, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, like, you know, the metaphorical mountain, I should say, is also literally his strength. Right. Well, <laughs> so, that's why I it that it's ancient, because it's just as ancient, like, in that story, it's the same forest, right? Like the dad brings up, this was Kazaranga before the British planted more trees and made it a reserve. This all the way back, this forest has been here before us, and hopefully it'll be here after us. And you know, it's this ancient source, you know, 
that ties him back to everything is that now becomes his strength. And it's just it's that family align. It's it's really good. Yeah, that's just great stuff. Um it, it you know, it yeah, I, I don't feel that the Suicide Squad element is impacting it. Like not at all. Last issue might have arguably been one of the weaker issues of the, the book, but only because the standard's been so, so high. It all, it's almost like the issue that we got where Perkins took a break with the, with the bomb in London. Um, it was almost like that was a break, and this is picking up new issues. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, a new story arc that starts with that one and is going to go till 10. Because I feel like thematically, this is the meat of the story. Not so much like issues one through four, were great and i really liked them but that issue what was that issue five so yeah the first three issues and then four was the break right no no five was the break no. okay five was a break so anyway six it felt like not a fresh start because it didn't need to be fresh but it felt like this is where it's going and it felt like i i didn't get connor saying that about the suicide squad like it they were fine it wasn't like it was leaning on them at least I didn't think so. No, I mean, he wasn't, like, super negative on it, but it, it, it was more... He was disappointed that this was going to be multiple issues of them being involved when... Uh, and to be honest, like, yeah, last issue was probably the weakest issue of the, the, the run, mm -hmm. but, like, it still had some good stuff in it, and then this issue, I think, is really paying off a lot of the things that it was able to set up. So, I, I mean, I, I have no real complaints. Well, they just They feel like foils for the storytelling that we were able to through... Through Night Nurse, even her powers, like we didn't realize her on the Suicide Squad. That's the beauty of the Suicide Squad, though, is you can almost put any villain on there. It, I mean, sense. it gives it gives context to some of the flashbacks. Is is mm -hmm. her kind of like sort of taking right. them out of them or looking at them at the very you know, least? So. And, and yeah, Peacemaker fits in too, and you get to tie into you know smartly into the movie that came out last month, right when that issue came out. So you know you get more eyes on it. it I mean. Yeah, I, I don't get that. It's uh, this book's still real good. Even even like you said, with the the weaker last issue, which I didn't find was was that weak. I mean, compared to the other ones, maybe. But um, oh, yeah, it was it wasn't weak. It was just weaker compared to yeah you know, the standard that this 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 run has has set up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, I I just hope that there's more than three left. I hope that we do get a second yeah. wave. Of this this run by Ram V and Perkins, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, all right, what are you giving this book? Uh, nine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll go with the nine as well. So that's cool. Black Manta issue one. Chuck Brown writing with Valentine Delandro on the art. Uh, this is obviously, this was teased a little bit in the Aquaman 8th anniversary special last week. So, uh, I did not read this. I did, no, I, so I ran out of time. Being, being a short week, and it's been crazy at work, um, I wish. I wanted to read this, um, but I just ran out of time. Because um, the art, I'm sure the art is phenomenal. I love D'Andro. Yeah, the art is um, great. Uh, the art is really the show stealer uh, yeah. in, in many ways. Um, I I think I, I it's a very easy read as well. Like the the, the yeah. dialogue is reserved, and the writer knows to keep it light and let the art <laughs> do a lot of singing, which is really really nice. 
Um, there's kind of a nice thing at the start here where Black Man is on a jet ski and he's talking about, like, you know, what is my legacy? I'm a pirate, I'm a mercenary, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it cuts to, like, a, a ship where some pirates have, like, taken over the ship and they're mm-hmm. holding hostages. And Black Man ends up kind of inadvertently coming in and being the hero that saves him. But he's not actually there to save him. He's there to settle a score because they <laughs> stole something from him uh, and doesn't give a shit about the, the, the innocent uh, hostages. But the issue jumps around various plot threads. Um, we have that kind of playing out. We have uh, kind of how he meets a couple of people uh, when he was kind of on a heist, essentially, uh, and how he found the big rock, which he then cut the small piece out of that was teased in that 8th anniversary special. Um, and that kind of sets up a couple of, couple of different things. Um. So, I mean, I guess if, if I have a critique about this issue, because I think it reads very well, and it's always great looking, and mm-hmm. it's paced very well, the only real issue I'd have with it is maybe not having a solid grasp on what the point of the story quite is yet. Uh, clearly this rock is affecting people. It's giving, like, migraines or uh, aneurysms to, like, people around the world. There's, like, a sort of panel where you see a bunch of people in Gotham, Japan, Ethiopia, Star City, Kosei, uh, all reacting and it depends on like maybe genes or something as to who it's affecting um, that that stuff's kind, kind of neat um, it is affecting Black Manta as well he's also having these headaches um, and Gallows the woman who's there with him is like telling him you know, maybe some of this is unsafe or or maybe uh, you know this rock's too dangerous to mess with like you know what are we going to do and there's a bit of a conflict between them as well because she's sort of like had a few situations where she's made a point of not killing people and he's like, you know, they've been quicker just to kill X, Y, and Z person and she's like, no, like, I have no problem killing someone, but I'm also not going to do it for no reason. If there's another way of doing it, I'm, we'll take the non-lethal approach. So they're having a bit of a conflict there. Yeah, and Gallows has a pretty funny joke actually here as well where she, uh... She says that if she kills Black Manta, she might make a fortune by just selling his his helmet to Batman because she hears he likes to collect trophies. Trophies. <laughs> uh, so I actually call it that. Uh, the big thing at the ending, though, is that we go to the underworld and there's like a statue. Uh, presumably, this, you know, we're talking underworld underwater here. Um, mm-hmm. And basically... Uh, Zebellians probably are immune to whatever the rock is doing. Uh, this mysterious rock that we still haven't quite uh, talked talked about um, or explained exactly what it is. But this statue uh, sort of like cracks and then smashes and then out comes a woman from it. Mm-hmm. And she's got like a flame sword. Uh, there's gargoyles. Ar- yeah, there's gargoyles around her saying, you know, go back to sleep. And she's like, out of my way, abominations. And she goes smashing through the cave walls and goes to freedom. Um, yeah, and she's got like big, bushy white hair. Uh, like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on, right? There's definitely some mystical elements to this rock, and it's clearly awoken someone who was asleep in a gargoyle. <laughs> um, I will say, like, there's kind of like a, a Dr. Fate-style symbol. Uh... Like when they go to the in the heist portion, 
when Black mm-hmm. Manta's going with a couple of cronies uh, to collect it, um, uh, he he opens a pocket dimension. So he's actually got some Doctor Fate s magic. So he opens a little. Is mm-hmm. he's, so it's, it's a, so it's like a container that's in like a shipyard, but it's like hidden in a pocket dimension, uh, or. Or maybe he just uses the pocket dimension to like go inside it. Yeah, maybe that's all it is. He just opens a pocket dimension so they can walk inside through the door. So um, it's like an onk, the the loop cross. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's how he gets inside the container. I, I thought that was a fun beat. Uh, but yeah, there's like very little to say as to what this rock actually is. I mean, presumably since Zabellian DNA should make you immune to the migraines, I imagine it's going to link up with Atlantean or Zabellian or some other underwater... Mm-hmm. Uh, connective bit of history or something. I, yeah. I mean, it's a very easy read. The art's very good. And the voice for Black Manta is pretty strong. Um, It's a very confident book, I would say. Uh, But it is banking on you kind of like being into this mystery. And if anything, the only part of it that I think is kind of weak is the mystery itself. <laughs> because right now it just, just, it just feels very undercooked where I'm like, You've not really given me enough to really tease much out of me. Unless, maybe maybe for hardcore Aquaman fans that know all of Aquaman's history, maybe this is like mm-hmm. touching a button for them. Maybe this is making them go, oh, I get this reference, or I know who this character might be who just <laughs> came out of the, the statue underwater. But I don't have a goddamn clue. They don't have anybody uh, listed on the Leer yeah. Geeks. So they only have two characters listed. So... So yeah, I I I don't know, um, but I yeah, this was a, it was very readable though. Like I actually had a really fun time reading it just because it was so easy to read and the art's really good. So, um, you know, uh, list the books permitting next month. Uh, I will probably yeah. read issue two of this just because it is such an easy goddamn read. But yeah, I mean, as as it is, I would probably give it like a seven. I think. Uh, and maybe that even seems to be a bit high, given that I'm saying that I don't really understand what the story's doing yet. But it was a very pleasant read. Uh, it, it read quickly. The voice for Black Manta was good. I liked the banter with this other character, which I said in the preview story mm-hmm. from, from the last uh, anthology book. So that's still there, which is nice. And the art is uh, very delightful. It's got a good vibe. So... I think I'm down to check out more, uh, providing that it's not like it ends up in a really busy week if there's a lot of new books starting next month, uh, which has happened a couple of times recently where I've said, oh, maybe I'll come back for issue two, and then there's like three new books the following month, so I'm like, ah, oh, nah, screw that. <laughs> um, but hey, yeah, so I'll, I'll go seven out of ten. I, I think the art is pretty strong. There's a lot of nice, inky, thick line work, uh, which is kind of, you know, the staple of this art is from the one, you know, because it was those uh, Future State Mr. Miracle uh-huh. Backups was where we saw this artist before. Yep. Uh, so some of that same vibe in this, which I think it gives it a like the faces really make me think of a like an indie book or even like a even maybe like a Gotham Central esque kind of looking book. It's, it's kind of the mm. art style that I'm getting from this. Uh, so. Nice. Take from that what you will, but that's Black Man issue one. Don't have a whole lot to say though, but you know, you could view as a a negative in and of itself. But uh, maybe it's one that'll read better in trade once you could just read the whole thing. But uh, that is issue one of a six issue mini series. Batman Catwoman issue seven, Tom King and Liam Sharp. Yes, that's right, Liam Sharp. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
not the usual. So that I mean, obviously the art is still pretty good. That's mm. you know, good, you know, pretty simple thing to say. I will say the one downside to this art change, other than just that it's a different artist and you'd like it to be consistent, is that I thought the difference in the time period was harder to tell at first. A hundred percent. Yeah. Harder. This was my Even problem. Yeah. Because I got a little bit lost uh, with the Bruce and Selena stuff. Because obviously we've had these three time periods that have been constantly. Yep. And it plays into the whole Ghost of Christmas Present, Future Past thing mm-hmm. that, you know, this is obviously dealing with because it's Christmas themed and all the rest of it. And I got it fairly quickly. It, beca- it became clear the bank vault story was the, the present day with uh, Phantasm, uh-huh. uh, which meant that the, the sex scene stuff was obviously from the past. And obviously, and the, obviously the older character stuff was the easiest one to tell just because the right. characters look so different. But But even then... Shar's older Selena doesn't look nearly as old as man's <laughs> Selena. So there's a little bit off there, but it's still, it's Liam Sharp. I mean, the, the stuff in the bank vault, when it really gets going, mm. it really benefits from his sketchier oh, so art good, style. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I just say, so the opening of this, right, is uh, mm. sexy in the past, and you've got the Christmas Carol playing in bubbles mm. as they're having sex. Oh. I actually got a crack out of just reading the the oh come all ye faithful over and over as they're having sex because it's hard not mm-hmm. to see the particularly the oh come uh, over and over again in a yep. sex scene and not start to just giggle at the the double entendre of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then it cuts to the end of another sex scene, which is Batman in a bank vault who. Well, I say end of a sex scene. I'm saying that because he's naked. Maybe she just drugged him and put him there. <laughs> but I like to think they had sex in a bag. Well, and that that that's where I because of the the art style, right? Yes. That's where it jumps from from the one to to this, and I was like, what the hell happened? Like, and and then it was a you know you start putting all the pieces together, you know. That it would have been nice to, to you know, to differentiate. Uh, I was fine bit. after the few transitions, but I do think the coloring in the shark, uh, in the, what do we call them? The, the thingy the art. Present? No. There's the regular artist on this book. Uh, Clayman. Clayman, thank you. Uh, the Clayman art, I think the coloring difference between each time period is a lot more distinct, even yes. for these two. But uh, yeah, so so Bruce wakes up and there's a letter saying, "Love you, Bruce, but uh, I'm off with uh, Phantasm to go kill Joker." <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. The police are on the way. You're in the vault, uh, and he's handcuffed behind his back as well. Uh, and then we cut back to the future, no, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and it's you know Commissioner Dick going to Wayne Manor, and there's a kind of a joke here, whereas like all the cops like sort of call in and say. Oh, we got six snipers, and we got this group of yep. guys here. We got SWAT over here, and then Dick goes, oh, "It's not enough." <laughs> it, it's good, but it's not enough. Yeah, and yeah. Selena opens the door, and he's like, "Like an arrestry, he killed Joker. This is what's happening." Mm-hmm. Um, and at least had an interesting little conversation actually, where she asks, "Like, you know, did uh, Bruce ever tell you why you were dressed in yellow and red when you first started?" and he says it was, you know, Bruce said that it was, you know, because, oh, it, me- it meant that you wouldn't be able to rely on stealth. You you would, it, Shadow. it, it would like yeah. almost target your weaknesses and you would have to like, overcome them. It was like a training thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Selena says something that's really dark where Bruce said to her that the idea was is that it was so silly 
that the Joker might think it was funny and then not want to kill you because you were too pathetic. And that's like really dark, especially since he did eventually kill a Robin, which yeah. just adds like an extra layer so of sinister to it. I'm glad I had a sigh of relief when it ended not being the Frank Miller reason oh, sure. that, that Robin's the target and Batman's not. Uh, and that's why he's in the bright colors. Um, so the fact that here it's it's darkly sweet that, you know, that he might the Joker, you might make the Joker laughing just like that. So he'll want to keep you around. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. And you do the math that oh, he eventually killed one. Like uh, you say, it's darkly sweet. That's a good way of putting that yeah. because it's, it's actually kind of a well-intentioned thing, but it's actually also mm-hmm. really dark at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to the, the past uh, sex mm-hmm. scene. And Bruce is like, Joker's been here. I can smell him. <laughs> basically. Mm. Uh, and he's like, you're going to tell me where he is? And she's basically like, no, I'm not. Uh, then we get to maybe, like, I kind of love this, but it's also probably the worst art of the book, which is yeah. the physique on Bruce. We're back in the bank vault. And he's basically yeah. just like, you know, dislocating his... He looks like Bane. He does. He's, yeah, his shoulders are that broad. But he yeah. gets himself out of the handcuffs. And I actually laughed out loud, though, when I saw what he was doing. Because the police are coming to the vault door. He's about to encounter them. And how does he disguise his appearance? He does a wrestling thing. He blades. He blades. He blades. That's a no-no in the the E, all right? He's he's getting fired. He Uh, blades so that he can cover his face in blood so no one will recognize him as Bruce Wayne. That's how he disguises himself when he's bass naked. uh, I kind of love this. It does take the focus off of his naughty bits, right? <laughs> but that, also, that, that next page, though, stupid. I was going to say, that next page when he's spreading the blood around his face yeah. is super, like, dark and, like, yeah. sinister. So, like, when these cops bust into the bank vault, they're definitely not expecting a naked, bloody guy there. No, they definitely are not. So, yeah. Elma so. surprise on his side. Do you, know, do, you know what it is? Yep. do you know what this is? This is the, the dark broody version of the elevator captain america yeah. scene because even even because later on when we get to the scene where they're like sort of in the middle of the fight and he's beating the shit out of them they're like oh mm-hmm. we can barely use our weapons in here because it's too cramped i'm like right oh, okay you know what king's putting enough stuff in here that it's not just that he can take on an, ar- an army of guys that have all got guns it's no right. they're in a cramped space uh obviously shoot. when it comes to hand-to-hand combat he's clearly going to be better than all these cops right. like you know, well then not- he's He's using their numbers against them because he, and again, being naked, um, and covered in blood, he's he's probably more slippery, too, you know. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably true. Uh, then we cut back to the future, and it's um Helena talking to her father's costume, saying, "Father, I was a good girl." Um, basically saying, "How could you marry mum?" Like. She's not like us. You know, she she obviously clearly relates more to him. She has this sense of right and wrong, this nobility. And is like, I'm sorry, I loved her. I know you did too. But she said it in the past tense. Like, she doesn't love her anymore mm-hmm. because she, because she you know, committed a murder. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really, really sad. Uh, I kind of but it, it. it shows that, like, the Wayne line of seeing things in black and white, she inherited that from her dad. Because oh, that's never yeah. been Selena, right? Selena is Shades of Grey, which is when you think about the Phantasm, right, and being in the Grey, and but she's black and white as well, 
that Selena is in this no man's land of she's kind of a unique character in Batman's life. Yeah, so, I'm actually fascinated that we're only just past the halfway mark in this book because it feels like we may be ramping up to the end, and we're obviously not. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, so yeah, Selena refuses to tell him uh, where the Joker is in the past, and he's like, ah, you know, like. You know, we can't do this anymore. And she's like, well, in that case, leave and never come back. And then they kiss, which just kind of summarizes their whole, you know, relationship. Oh, and that's, he chases her yeah. on rooftops. Like, that's... Yes, and then we get the, the, the glorious page of him fighting an army of SWAT members covered in blood, but naked. It's a thing of nightmares, The, the coloring is great. And it even pulls a bit of a Hannibal Lecter thing, where he dresses yeah. up in one of their uniforms and goes out, and they all just think he's one of the cops, and he gets into, like, the ambulance... And then he like turns on the guy when the guy kind of just yep. realizes for a second that oh, wait a minute you're not one of the cops, uh, and then we get the uh, the nostalgia pop the the callback yep. to the the Brubaker run with Selena getting the mugshot, yep. the famous cover. Yeah, yeah, nice touch, uh, and of course when Batman was called away in the past, it turned you know we see where where he was called to. Uh, Jim Gordon's there at this house and basically Joker had shoved a bunch of dead Santas in the chimney. Which and they very... can't tell how many <laughs> it's because... very. This is a very Joker murder. I'm yeah. just going to put that out there. They, they can't tell um, because they're so tangled. And it's just like, oh my god. And Gordon's uh, talking but... about how awful the jo- you know, how awful he yeah. is and it does the split page where half of it's like you know past, and then the other half's the present. Mm-hmm. Bloody Batman, and he's talking to Selena, who's wounded. Selena's got a. Uh, uh-huh. I, I have to say, the art in this page isn't that great. I, I kind of hate. No, this uh, is this is the the weak, like the low point, but it's at the end. So yeah, this is Catwoman's yeah. body proportions, where she has these silly long legs. Uh, really, really weird. It's like he wanted to make the twelve panel work, but couldn't, so he had to play mm. with proportions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's so sad is that she's leaning against the T-Rex leg, and the T-Rex leg's mm. really well proportioned. Right. That's <laughs> uh, what he really spent the focus on. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe that's what he was, he was worried about. Um, but, basically, Phantasm, like, Joker, apparently in the heat of the moment when they tried to kill him, whispered something to Phantasm, and then Andrea turned on Selina and uh, stabbed yeah. her with the Sith. Uh, the Sith, sorry. Uh, and so, so honestly, this is probably one of the better cliffhangers the books had because I can't wait mm-hmm. to find out what the Joker said to her that made her turn, given how she right. felt before. So yeah. I'm kind of interested. She sees things in black and white, and you know. So what was it that she went from "I'm killing the Joker for being responsible for the death of my son" to "I'm killing Selena"? Uh, unless it was somehow the son's alive, I can take you to mm-hmm. him, but maybe that's a bit too obvious. Uh, the final page is Selena, old age Selena, in the in jail, pulling yeah. a a lock pick or a pin out of her foot, like out of her skin, so she can get out of the jail cell. Yep. So, old old lady Selena still got the tricks. She still knows what she's yeah, doing. Of course she does. You know. Yeah, no, no denying um, I, that. I also like too that they that that when Helena's talking about it, it's like it's an open and shut case. Like she's going away for the rest of her life. Like there's no way she can get out. But Selena still has a trick or two up yeah. the heel. 
So, I mean, oh. the art is such a weird thing because I think, you know, the, the pages of Bruce, like, fighting covered in blood, mm-hmm. like, all that stuff is, like, plays to its sharp strength. When it strength. hits, it hits hard. Yeah, right? it's so good. But then th- that page of Selena's proportions towards the end is terrible. I kind of get a kick out of the Bruce one, though, where he looks like Bane, just because it's kind of silly and stupid, but it's in kind of a fun way <laughs> where it's just like, look at how built he is. He's like a tank. Yeah. He's <laughs> trying to compare his physique to a wrestler, right? He's very Batista esque in the, his build, or Brock, but with a normal person's head. And it just doesn't make sense, even on a page, you know, like out of proportion. It's almost Liefeld Captain America, but good. So, um, yeah, those, those two pages, though, but it's still Liam Sharp, man, really, really good. Like, I'm not, no. I'm not complaining about the rest of the art. No, I, I sure. just wish we could have seen what Liam Sharp's Phantasm looked like. That's yeah, the one we, thing that yeah we don't get to from. see that, do we? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it would have been nice to proclaim man not to have to miss an issue, but, yeah. you know, uh, make lemons and all that jazz. And well, it's... and wasn't this supposed to be John Paul Leon? Or was that a different issue? No, that's a, that's like a special, like a one-shot. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't gotcha. this. Yeah. Okay. Um... So, I will say though, in terms of story developments and in terms of set pieces, this is maybe one of the best issues of this book. Like in terms mm-hmm. of story, like I was so into Selena, old Selena being arrested. I was mm-hmm. so into the naked bank vault fight. Yeah. Uh, the the all the dead Santas in the chimney. Like I really like these beats, these story beats. Uh, so and even Helena uh, talking to her her dad, uh, as it were. So, uh, yeah, all, all all that stuff I thought was uh was good stuff, and I it's building to something. You know, it, obviously we're dealing with the, the how the Joker's affected all these people, which is yeah. which is cool, um through various ways, and and even how Bruce and Selena have affected their daughter through different ways, yeah. and as it was in many ways, it makes sense that Bruce's traits would be the dominant ones that would imprint upon the kid. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, she wears the bat. Right, she wears the big ears and and everything. She's, yeah, but, no, so. but I'm thinking from like a like it makes sense that his sense of right and wrong was the one that was mm-hmm. stronger. That was the one that right. that the, the kid latched onto well, at a young age, presumably. Yeah, because you feel like Selena can hide who she really is, you know, whereas Bruce can't. Yeah, and so so she was able to Selena was able to form into who she needed to be for. Elena, and maybe that's why she's having such an issue, right? Is that she didn't want to come to terms with this is who mom really is. Which is interesting because so, you've got this idea that Bruce knew this to begin with and accepted it to a point and then right. still chose to marry or still chose to have a kid with mm-hmm. her, all these things. Whereas right. for Helena, she grew up with Selena being the Selena that she became for the marriage right. and for the and for the, the you know the motherhood. Mm-hmm. And it's only just towards this later part of her life, maybe, where she's fully mm-hmm. getting a taste of what Selena's really capable of. Yeah. Coming to terms with it. And because yeah. cause Dick knows, like, he, when all the SWAT people, like, it's still not enough. And she goes peacefully, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, was, I, I want an interaction between Dick and Helena to see what that's like. Because that is, you would think that is her brother, you know? Did we, we not have one where he had the signal? Yeah, but like I want like a heart to heart, not just a, yeah. a Batwoman showing up. I want Helena 
and Dick to be like, and him to explain to her almost in a big brother fashion, like, no, this is always who your mother was. You just didn't want to, you know, you didn't get to experience it because she became who she was to you. And I kind of want that coming from a big brother figure, you know, so because she seems lost when she's talking to her dad's costume. She seems like lost, in, you know, adrift in mm. hopelessness almost that she doesn't want to believe she's in denial. So and I want to see it pull through. And this is the type of stuff I think Tom King's really good at at, at communicating through, through the comic form is these kind of emotions. I mean, you can't you can't deny that the, the guy writes layered comic book stories because mm-hmm. like how much do we sit and talk about everything that he does with his narrative yeah. and with his characters? Yeah. It's, it's just certain stuff hits in other ways, and when he does these twelve issue books like this, I almost feel that's he's better at that because he he has a end point to where he's working to versus something with comic change where he has to chain it together. And overall, you know, because overall his Batman run. There's some really, really highs and some really, really low lows. Um, and here, it, I feel these 12 issue stuff with Mr. Miracle, Rorschach, Supergirl, you know, it feels like they're consistent across the board more. Hmm. All right, what are you giving Batman Catwoman? That's your seven. Uh, I'm going to give this an eight. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Yeah, a 10, I think, is an easy choice for me. The Nice House on the Lake, issue four, James Tynan the fourth with Alvaro Martinez on the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this has been a very exciting book since it started. Um, I think this one takes a turn. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you missed issue three. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. reveal what I thought of this one yet, but issue three was my favorite so far. Okay. Uh, up until that point, I really loved issue three. Um, and then this issue, uh, do you happen to know which character we're focusing on in this issue? This. Yeah, this is the comedian. The comedian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who issue three was though. I I think I know the character's name and I recognize him. He's he's the map guy now. Um, I don't know what his symbol was though. Ah, that's fine. I, I don't remember yeah, that either. But this guy I know is the comedian because that's how he kicks this off. Just the, and now I have to go back and look at the other issues to see if we can tie their symbol to their introduction. Sure. Um, so the comedian like the the main part of the start of this which is the flashback where he's talking about uh, I mean he's in the future but he's talking about how he first met Walter Uh, it's basically the idea is that he's a bit of a joker he's a bit of an idiot but he's actually very observant and does he's a bit smarter than people give him credit for he picks up in things and ultimately this issue is him picking up on something there's a rule that he picks up on by the end of this issue which is a pretty big Mm -hmm. deal um so this issue from a mechanical point of view from like an in-world rules point of view is okay we've heard before that if they need supplies they need food that the boxes just show up they'll get it right but we don't know about the boxes yet this is something that just comes up in this issue that's right see Uh, i read three and four back to back (laughs) sure yeah yeah but it's so we we knew that like it'd been implied that they would never want for anything right they'd always get soft stuff but obviously they don't know exactly how that's working we we immediately jump to ah he's going to have it just magically appear because yeah but this issue makes it clear that if they write down a list of a notepad that's provided those things will just appear next day 
if they want something that's privately for one person that's just addressed to them then they can just take their own bit of paper and put their name and they can ask for their own things and we get some examples of this mostly as food right there's a couple of funny items like a fleshlight at one point <laughs> it says don't judge yeah that, that cracked me up um but you know, this is day 27, they've kind of learned this by now. Obviously there was a bit of trial and error, you assume, as they were learning how to do this. Um, and there's some rules that they bring up as they're talking about it, which is, if they try and watch the porch where these boxes appear, they won't come. They don't come until no one's looking. Uh, so that's established in this issue, uh, which is an interesting little detail. And the other, the other thing here is that they have to be specific and this issue kind of explores where they're at through what they're asking for and that kind of thing. So our comedian character is kind of going around asking everyone like what they're doing, but mainly if they remember how they arrived here. Like, did they fly to this airport, that airport? Did you drive mm-hmm. up from here? And they're all being kind of cagey. Ah, vague. Oh, I think I flew. I hate long drives, so I didn't do that. Or that, that was the part they kept being brought up. Is like they're they couldn't remember if they flew or drove. And I was like, well, that's a pretty crucial. Like, that's something you don't forget. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and then there's the one character, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, Molly. Molly, I think it is. Yeah who is being really down and keeps asking if her package has arrived yet. And they're saying, no, nothing today. And everyone else seems to be getting theirs. So there's kind of a mystery as to what she's asking for. Maybe there's a rule to say that, oh, you can't have that particular thing. So that's going on. Uh, And there's some fun jokes here where the comedian gets like a ridiculous zebra cowboy hat. (laughs) He's just as Ferris Bueller at one point. (laughs) Yes, there's that. And when you look, uh, like he he's asked for like ridiculously expensive booze, Action Comics one, Detective twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really funny like, stuff on those lists. And they're they're there and like Fabergé eggs and like you see his room at the beginning and it's just littered with all this stuff. And he he's kind of become this guy who takes the boxes around and gives it to people. Yep. Uh, in fact, later on he actually even he's clearly asked for a it's, uniform. Yep. Because he's, he's walking the, around the in delivery a, man. Yeah, he's he's walking around in a postman's yeah. outfit. But he mm-hmm. you know, he, he goes on the second or third day here, day twenty nine, and he goes to uh Molly's door, uh or it's even I think it's actually this other woman's door who's just staying with Molly. Because, right, because and, she's been inconsolable since they've been there. Yeah, and she's getting worse and worse the more these packages mm-hmm. don't arrive. And the other woman says, Hey, is there anything there for Molly? And he's like, No, sorry. And she says that she's even staying with Molly because she's even a little bit concerned of what might happen if she's alone. And he's like, wait, that bad? So it kind of raises this, you know, it raises that idea. The idea that she might self-harm because of how she's feeling. And, you know, and he notices, and again, this plays into what was set up at the start, is that he's, yeah, he's played as a goofball, but he does pick up on things. He's the one that's asking these questions and he notices... Uh, you know the map guy's map right he sees the house but he also mm-hmm. sees this mysterious building that he, right. this guy clearly did not tell anyone about right and mm-hmm. then he you know he runs into molly again uh the next day and she's like nope uh didn't come did it and she's like nope and he's like yeah i figured uh and she collapses a little bit and she's like hey i've got the list with tomorrow and he's like you know do you really want to know what it is that I've asked for? And yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, well, you can look at it. I've already written it. 
it's not like it matters. And there's a couple of examples of different things I've asked for. Some of them are quite funny. And then you get to hers, and it just lists them by day what it is. And it's Cam, Cameron, Cameron, and there's a full name. And it's like, my husband, Cameron. And she's basically asking for a husband. And then after about 10 days of not getting him, right, of just not appearing, um, it's a handgun. Which is notable, because if you remember last issue, issue three, if you just read it, so you should remember this, mm-hmm. is that some of the characters found an armory in the right. library. So there is right. guns that are there if some if they right. really want to find them. Um, but, and then it's rope. And then the last, like, ten days are, like, straight razor. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's super dark. It's, like, really depressing. And mm-hmm. the comedian character's, like, looking at this and he's, like, sort of, like, obsessing over it. And we see him, like, grab a bit of paper himself. And sure enough, the next day, he goes to get the packages, and it's there for him. Like, it's been delivered because it was in his yeah. name. And he sees Walter watching from the forest, and he just looks out of it, and Walter's got that weird effect where his face is all yep. split up and all his that. face, face. And he's like, you could have just told us the rules, man. And just what he walks inside. Like, it's nothing. Like, he doesn't even act freaked right. out. Because this is, you know, 20, 30 days into this, right? 29, 30 right. days into this. He's clearly used to this idea of Walter just sort of skulking around and maybe watching, watching from time to time. Yeah. But he goes back in and he makes a kind of a... Well, actually, that's not quite yet. He goes to Molly first and gives her the razor. Right. And she's like, this is yours. Like, yeah, I asked for it for you. And explains that like, you're hurting really bad and you wanted at least to feel like you had the choice to do this, but Walter wasn't giving you the choice to do this. Even mm-hmm. as bad as this is, and as much as I don't want you to do this, as much as this shouldn't be what you do, he gives her this pep talk, and ultimately says, look, I've got something that I really need to show everyone, but I, I kind of need to get that back in order to show you. And it sort of gives a bit of a cliffhanger there. So, okay, what's he going to do with it? And then it's, it's set up throughout the issue that the others have like planned this big meal and they've, they've all worked really hard on it, or at least the one character, Rhea, has worked hard on it. Mm-hmm. And they're all having this big meal and in walks the comedian with this razor blade. And he raises some interesting points that no one can remember how they got here, right? Everyone's very mm-hmm. vague on it, which raises some questions. Like, did they actually physically travel here? Is it, is it I think, a good point that one mm-hmm. should be asking? Is this all in their collective heads, for example, is another question. But he then says, because he's got blood in his his wrist, and I think at this yeah. point most of us reading this figure figure know what he's about to say, the yeah. rule that he's discovered that there's something that fundamentally they cannot do, and he there's a page the panels from behind, so it's not too violent, yeah. but you see he's kind of a spray of blood. He tries to slit his own throat, and the end of the issue is him looking down at them, st- saying, "We can't die. He won't let us." So we have to learn how to live. But one of the other things that he brings up before before he makes makes his conclusion is that, hey, map guy over here found a building and he never told yeah. any of us about it. Do you know what this is? I, I hate to boil it down like this, but this is basically from Lost. This is that we have to, we either live together or we die alone. We either die alone. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what this, that's ultimately boiled down to, but in a yeah. really dark, sick kind of way. Yeah. Um really good well and it raises questions because the first time we see some of the characters in their intros they are maimed so something has happened you know in in the future 
Yeah, and uh, that's what you mean. In the future, it looks like they yeah. can be hurt. Yeah. Right. So some something happens. It, it's also making me, you know, because the the comedian keeps bringing up aliens, and they're like, "Don't don't say that," you know. And he's leaning really into the the, the aliens, and he goes, "Don't say the a word in the kitchen," and, and all this other stuff. So you know, as the time goes by, they're starting to question things, you know, and and what exactly is Walter, and what what exactly is going on here? Is he an alien? Is he? And it just makes me, you know. With, with with Tynan and stuff, it almost makes you wonder if this is like a philosophical statement on choice and free will, and you know, and and what does Walter actually represent in that term? Is this you know his take on on God, you know, Big G God? Um, I mean, we've definitely talked about that before. I mean, I think all these yeah. themes are definitely there. I mean, I, I think it's far too early in the story to even begin yeah. to. I mean, we're- we're a quarter way through, right? Because it's twelve issues. Yeah, but we're taking a massive break after issue yeah. six, like you know, which was right. planned. Um, I I feel like right now, like this is making me question, like, are they supposed to like try and figure out how to break the rules? Like yeah. the, the idea of like him picking someone who is a disobservant who might figure things out. Like, yeah. is he there just so that they all f- learn to like work together because that's the yeah. message he's giving them right now? Or is there a longer end game here? Is the reason why things have broken down in the future? Is that because they did something they weren't supposed to do? Or is it because they have rebelled and did something that Walter was expecting or, or hoping they were going to do at some point? Right. Like he's leading them to a certain destination. And yeah, I don't I don't know. And it also is interesting who Walter is to each of them, because reading three and four back to back, Walter's a very different friend to is it Steven, the mm-hmm. book guy, than he is to the comedian. Like it feels like the, the book guy was a lot closer to Walter than he was. So wh- what does that mean in the grand, the grand scheme of things? Because, like, did Walter want the comedian to piece this together as he's doing it? And that's why he indulged his every whim, that the all the stuff that he wanted, you know? Or is this throwing a wrench into things, him seeming to, seemingly not to care, but, you know, he was chosen because... And pieces things I don't think we can you know? avoid not, not point out one of the obvious little, not a plot hole per se right. but if they can't kill themselves, then why wouldn't he give the razor blade to to right. Molly in the first place? Um, right. Is it because he doesn't want them to learn that they can't kill themselves? Um, does he just give up? Because clearly... Could just be a game that he's playing with could them. Could be a game like he's playing or is it because you know? he realizes that, that the Ooh. comedian's like figuring things out and there's no point in hiding it anymore? But like issue three made it such a point that Walter cares about his friends. Like he cares too much. So again, maybe that's why. Maybe because he knew the comedian wasn't gonna hurt himself. Right? And that Molly would have figured this out before they're supposed to. You know? I don't know. Like there's a lot of questions at play here. Yeah, maybe it was just, you know, it had to be day 30 or so before he was right. willing to let this out of the bag. I, like, right, well, and also there's there's a, in the other house too, in that building that he found, there's a whole, there, there could be a whole other group of people, right? Because, you know, let's call them the tailies here, if you're bringing up Lost. There was I, I know, I, 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 at- that, uh, uh, I don't think it's the same. I, I don't think the people in, if, if I mean, that's assuming there's multiple we we saw one character last issue, right? Uh-huh. Uh, 
who looked like they were in pain, it looked like they were begging for help, and they were, like, like crying because they weren't being heard or seen by our main character. I, I don't think that suggests to me that they're all living in a house like this group are, if no, there is no, a group no. of them. No, 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 but I was just, for lack of a better term, but there was someone that was referenced earlier, his name was Reg, mm-hmm. and that's who he thought that he heard, and then we don't know if that is Reg, we just know it's another person that's banging that knows who the book guy was, you know what I mean? So what's going on in that building? There's something else going on there too, you know. So like I like I've not. It's been a month since I read issue three, but I'm pretty yeah. sure we knew who that character was that was buying inside mm-hmm. that building. I don't have it on my. Uh, at the very least, it was heavily yeah. implied that right, it, right, right. it was so like it was the character. Nope. It was the friend who didn't come. It was the friend who either right. turned it down or whatever. Right. or wasn't invited. Right, 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 right. There's significance to who it was, and so, but again, because the whole point was that Walter cares about his friends. So that was the main theme that I took from three. Well, where he, here ca- the- he cares about them until he traps some of them in this weird prison. Uh, like- How do we know this is not a you know form of him carrying in a in a twisted sense of, you know what I mean? Because like like you said, he didn't give it to Molly knowing what she wanted to do, because he knows their intent of of giving them stuff. I mean, no, you may, you may be right, but, like, nothing about that ending to issue three suggested anything but sinister. That didn't, that nothing right. about that felt positive. No, no, I'm not saying it is positive. Yeah. I'm just saying there's 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 something in that building going on as well that I'm sure... <laughs> You know, <laughs> so your your point here is that there's something else going on in that other building. <laughs> that, no, but no, like when you're talking about like he wouldn't have let the map guy get there, right? Without because if he's watching, like the comedian has noticed him, you know, I'm just putting that out there to play into your maybe it's a timing thing, you know, like I don't know. But there, there seems to be a sense of care to him that, yeah, there's a man, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to, obviously not all of these theories are going to lead to something and some of them will be completely mm-hmm. wrong. Because I imagine that especially yeah. end of issue six, I assume it's going to have a big cliffhanger that's going yeah. to reveal something huge that's going to completely shake everything up, mm-hmm. which is, you know, nice. But um, I, I, I think right now, what I'm loving about this story is last issue was very much a character who started to problem solve. It was a character who tried to figure out what the, the boundaries of their, their map was. Like, mm-hmm. where is the where is the edge of where we can go? And that led to this discovery, which had its whole host of what the hell's going on here, you know, mystery, monolith style. And then this issue, you have a character who's picking up on more social things, like more, mm-hmm. what are the rules of what they can and cannot do? Um, some of the clues that suggest maybe how they've been manipulated and they just uh, might in some ways be the person that helps keep them together and sort of build forward into something that, that's he- that's helpful. Um, so I-, I like the problem solving. I'm always down for figuring out what the rules are. So the fact that the characters mm-hmm. are kind of piecing these things together is, is very neat to me. And it-, it appeals to me in a lot of ways. So very curious to see how they all click together uh obviously the art is uh very very good so that's what it was so i just had to look back at thing 
Sam came last minute and replaced Reg. Okay. Because they made a big deal that him and his partner were there, and they were kind of last minute. So what if Reg showed up, and now he's just being kept in that house, in that building? Because he's, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I, I just kind of yeah. read it as, like, Walter, yeah. because he didn't come, took How? him and prison him there. I mean, maybe it is that he tried to show up late. Maybe he tried to right. surprise them or something. Right. I don't know. Right, right, right. Uh, so, cool. That could be a circumstantial thing. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that final page. It's, it's hard to sort of undersell that yeah. final page and the brutality of it and just kind of the... Yeah, we're going to have to, like, you know, be better than this because otherwise we're going to go mad and uh, never figure anything out. So... Yeah, what are you giving Nice House by the Lake issue um, for? I'm going to give this 8.5. Yeah, I... I, th- I think I may have to stretch to the 9. Uh, yeah. Really strong stuff. I think it tells its story really well. And despite the fact that it's hard to remember individual character names, it does a good job of just focusing on a character or two. In this case, it's the comedian and Molly, but... It doesn't, you know, there's enough on its own to make it work in the context of it. So I'm sure this is going to read amazingly as well once you can read it all back to back. And I mean, mm-hmm. you can do that right now if you really want to. You can just go back and read the issues. But, right. um, but yeah, but it's doing a really good job of still working really well as a monthly comic, despite the fact that it's impossible to remember who everyone is at the drop of a hat because it's just impossible. Unless you've reread them so much at this point that you've really ingrained it into your brain. But, um, yeah, nine out of ten for me. Really good stuff. I uh, love the problem solving. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that takes me out to my Patreon book. Uh, every month on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, uh, our patrons at one of the higher tiers can make myself or Connor read a book. And I am going to look, this is my last one from uh, last month. This is Animal Man issue 11. Um, I'm going to look at here. Uh, so there's some big cliffhires from the last issue with the, the aliens, uh, Buddy disappearing, uh, Vixen was there, there was these invisible monsters. Invisible monsters aren't back yet in this issue, uh, just because we, we're, we're elsewhere, but there's some weird reality rewriting going on, and all sorts of shenanigans happening. Uh, so, the aliens are basically reconstructing Buddy, right? Now, whether or not mm-hmm. they're the, they themselves are what made Buddy disintegrate last issue, or if it was the monster, and they've just got like a backup, so they're able to sort of rebuild them in their ship, but either way, they're able to do this. But it seems to maybe warp reality a little bit because later on when we see Ellen, she's like, I don't have kids, but her friend thinks she does. So it's clearly messing with them a little bit. But not in the sense that it's rewritten reality for everyone because her friend still thinks she has kids. But even Vixen like teleports to, uh, to Africa. There's like a bright light and she's in Africa. And Buddy's there. Buddy reforms there. His powers are back to normal. They're fixed, which is cool. Um, and he can sense everyone around him. He can sense the giraffes that are nearby, the, the, the zebras and everything else. So, and they're near Kilimanjaro. Uh, and there's even a tease here of Buana Beast, like where Buana Beast would, uh, would live in his cave. You see his helmet. He's not in the issue, but there's just a little tease. Uh, and we've got some workers nearby who are being forced to drill into a big cavern. Uh, they're digging into the rock, uh, looking for something. Uh, and the villain here has got a giant 
penis tank, which is the best <laughs> thing I can call it, to, to be honest. It's a big tank, and it's got a big sort of cannon thing, and it's got like a sort of round tip. It's hard not to, you know, think penis. Wait, no, you cannot Google that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know what you could Google. Other than Animal Man Issue 11, I don't know what you could Google that's, that's to, what I'm looking for. to find this, this contraption. So, anyway, uh, so... Yeah, the leader of this is like, acting all mysterious and they're just saying, what are we going to do now? Uh, there's like a, a sort of offhand kind of character, the villain who's behind this, who's got like a sort of headdress on, um, who we find out later is uh, Hamid Ali. Not Ahmed, Hamid. H-A-M-E-D. Yeah. Uh, there's a character that I've not encountered before, so this is a new character, at least as far as I know, it's been introduced into this issue. Uh, but we don't really get to him, his stuff till later. So we go back to Buddy and Vixen, and they're at a campfire. And she's uh, cooking some meat, and she's like, hey, do you want something to eat? And he's like, no, I'm vegetarian. And she's like, fine, have a banana. And she tosses him a banana. Right, fair enough. Then we have a weird scene, which was really making me laugh. So basically, there's some apes nearby that are in heat, and Buddy starts, like, feeling that. <laughs> So there's a so there's a page where he's just watching Vixen eat some meat, and she's like sort of like drooling a little bit down her chest, and it's like he's basically just in heat. He's like getting turned on. And he's like, oh no, I'm a married man, and it's like just runs down her skin, <laughs> her sweet scent making me dizzy. Oh god, I want to. A whole grammar of gestures, raised eyebrows, pupils dilating like signal flares. She's poetry. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. This, this, this was all amazing. This is all really funny. He actually to the point where this so this big tank uh appears. It's not the penis tank though. This is another tank that's got like a like a dinosaur head. Sweet. So lots of things. So multiple tanks at play here. But he actually says in his narration, thank you, God, because it interrupts this like sexual tension that he's feeling. Um so this tank sort of comes after them and the uh sort of the, the, the henchwoman of her villain jumps out at them. She's wearing a mask. Uh she takes on Vixen. Animal Man jumps up and takes out some goons that are on the tank. Uh and you know, he like channels an elephant to ram into the tank. Although the the tank's so big that I don't even think an elephant would make that much of a dent, to be honest. Um but he gets darted with a, a tranquilizer. And he, he passes out, uh, the henchwoman is, is beat up, vixen enough that they're both passed out, and this cloaked figure turns out to have, uh, like, a, an ape-like face. He's, he's got the ape sort of fur, mm -hmm. uh, it's got red eyes, um, basically when, when Buddy passes out, he gets, like, one glimpse of this figure, and then the final panel's just all black with the two red eyes, uh... That's when it cuts back to Ellen, who's talking to her friend, and Ellen has no idea who her kids are, and then she vanishes from existence. So I don't know what sort of weird timey-wimey nonsense is going on. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fixed at some point, but yeah, chaos is happening. Because uh, this issue, or this run is so famous, mm -hmm. kind of know where it's going, and I'm not going to spoil sure. it. Oh yeah, don't spoil but, that. I'll, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's definitely going places, uh, that's for sure. I have no doubt. I have no doubt Grant Morrison's about to take me on a journey on yep. the giant penis tank. 
Yes. So, Buddy and Vixen wake up. They're in a, a cell in a in a small sort of farmy looking building. Well, yeah, like a stables looking building. And yeah, so the villain introduces himself. Uh, he says that he's taken uh, Marie's totem, so she's not got her powers. And basically says, I can't really take your powers away, Animal Man, but these walls are thick. We're in a sort of like compound where there's no animals for miles. You you don't have access to anything. You're completely cut off. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, there's a one panel of the penis uh, tank, which is a big laser, by the way. That's penis shoots a laser uh, into the ground, which is, you know. Of course it does, because Grant Morrison. <laughs> so he, basically, he he's uncovered something you know in the earth, uh, uh, and he thinks that Animal Man and Vixen may be there for that. Obviously, they're there by happenstance. They were they were they, you know they were both teleported there through other means, uh, presumably what the aliens did to him to rebuild them. Uh, why they affected Vixen, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, the, the, who's to say at this point? But uh, yes, so. But yeah, this uh, character, uh, Hamid Ali, says that he was born before Christ. Uh, he's been alive that long. Um, it's making penis tanks all that time. <laughs> yeah, it basically says you've got until dawn until I send my henchwoman back here to kill you. Um, yeah, so uh, her name's Taboo. Which is, I don't know. Not spelled that way, yeah. it's T-A-B-U, but given all the, the horny act, animal man stuff so then it comes back to the aliens and the, the the one who's like sort of rebuilding everything in the ship with these these two weird like contraptions in his hands and um, he actually starts to freak out he says i'm losing it i've made a terrible mistake the traveler is in danger and it i think it kind of implies that the traveler is the thing in the ground that uh hamed is trying to get to that's what the traveler is because uh, you sort of see like a bubble with the, the this tank in it um, which I mean, I say tank. It turns out to be a giant drill, effectively a laser drill. Um, and this alien basically also seems to kind of vanish from existence. Um, or at the very least, mm-hmm. passes out and goes all blue. Um, and then we have the next morning where uh, Taboo puts on these weird, like sort of tribal claws. Think, uh, what's that character from Street Fighter? Which one? The one with the claws. Like, I, I could just say Freddy Krueger. Vega? But yeah, but it's making me think more like that. It's more like a martial arts yeah. sort of thing with the claws. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Vega. Vega, he's got the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one. So, Taboo comes to the cell, um, and uh, with Hamed, they're, they're coming to, to kill them, uh, and that's the, the cliffhanger. They, they, you know, they say, time's up, and she's got her claws out, and they look kind of worried. Uh, so, definitely a weird issue. I can't, you know, it was an enjoyable read. It flowed very well. Uh, Animal Man being horny because he could sense some other animals being in heat was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. Um, I will say I was enjoying the Invisible Beast from last issue so much that I'm a little disappointed that that didn't like continue in some form here. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of like playing that out to uh, you know him going back to save his wife and stuff, it sort of pivoted hard into like something else where oh now his wife and kids don't exist anymore what's happening like bit much to take in terms of because i was enjoying the story anyway as it was 
So I'll see where this goes. This issue on its own is enjoyable enough, but definitely I wouldn't rank it up super high compared to some of the other ones because it does take such a left turn that I don't know necessarily is the most satisfying place they could have went. <laughs> so I'll try to see. You have, you have one left. I'll I'll try so. and see what Grant Morrison is trying to say with this art yeah. when I can get to the conclusion. But uh, I'll still give this a happy seven point five. I'd say on this one. So that's a Animal Man issue eleven. Okay, oh, that was a long list. Uh. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even that long a list, honestly. We tangented for like twenty minutes, and then Green Lantern turned into like mm-hmm. an extra fifteen minutes of nonsense. So, with that said, though, that is the part of the show which is our favorite stuff of the week: favorite panel slash moment, favorite uh, art, favorite cover, top five books. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. So, uh, Matt, what was your panel slash moment of the week? Uh, it's really from Swamp Thing. It's the uh, last panel where sure the giant swamp thing with Kazaringa versus chemo it's hard to argue such a thing um mm-hmm. i will what did i want swamp, something the last page of uh nice house in the lake's hard to top in a lot of ways yeah. um i kind of loved a lot of the swamp thing pages mm-hmm. i think i'm going to go with batman though i think i'm going to go with scarecrow yeah, I'm thinking probably Scarecrow standing in the rain, looking at the Batmobile. That was, I, that was a almost. Yeah, I really like that page. Uh, there's even an argument for that that teaser of the the final page of Infinite Frontier. Yeah. Uh, that's it's a good one too. Just for the shenanigans of it all, but now I'm gonna go with Scarecrow and Batman. Uh, yeah. All right, cover of the week. Uh, do you have anything picked out? Oh yeah, it's a Batman variant with Scarecrow. I don't know who did it. But it is fantastic. Um, good question. That's the Molina cardstock. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's buddy. not bad. That's not bad. I've not had a chance to really look at these, so I'm just kind of glancing. The regular and the variants for uh, Nasus and the Lake are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the variants, uh, Walter, with these like heads, you know, split. Yeah. As it is. Very unsettling. I like uh, the the Black Manta variant too. It's the uh, what is this? The Sanford Green. The uh, the I... limited variant of Infinite Frontier, which is just like a really nice drawing of Darkseid, is actually mm-hmm. very nice as well. So well worth looking at that. Uh, Swamp Things variant is really pretty. That's a Matina, and a very very rare. I can resist the Matina variant. You, you know, right? You know how I roll on that side of things. Um, it's a tough week. I think I'm gonna go with the nice house in the lake variant uh, with Walter. I think that's probably my my favorite. But yeah, a lot a lot of, a lot of good covers to pick from. There's a lot of yeah. books, admittedly. So I mean, yeah. you'd hope there's a lot of good covers to pick from. Uh, what is your favorite art of the week? Um, it's hard to go against nice house on the lake, but swamp swamp things up there with Perkins. Um, Batman with Jimenez is good, but yeah, I'm gonna go with nice house. I think if Sharp didn't have those like two or three blunder uh-huh. moments, it like, would have been, been an 100%. argument. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of, I mean, I'm also tempted to even put in a Black Manta into the consideration, but. Yeah. I would, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Nice House in the Lake as well. It's the boring choice because it's the one we both picked, but. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your top five? 
All right, so going through these, number one is going to be Swamp Thing. Number two is Nice House on the Lake. Number three is Batman. Number four is Green Lantern Annual. No, Infinite Frontier, Green Lantern Annual. No, Batman Catwoman. I can't remember. Yeah, we'll go <laughs> two nice and clean. One Swamp Thing, two Nice House on the Lake. Three Batman, four Infinite Frontier, five Batman Catwoman. Okay. I'm glad you clarified that because the first one was yep. a bit of a mess to follow. <laughs> oh, well, what happens when I get starving? Oh, I'm hungry too. I'm starving as well. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go Nessus in the Lake, number one. Number two, I'll go Swamp Thing. Number three, I'll go Batman. Number four, I'll go Infinite Frontier. And then number five, Batman Catwoman. I think that Very lines similar. up with what I said. Yeah. Uh, so cool. There you go. Uh, I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So coming out next week, I think. Wait. Ah, I'm just checking the dates there. So next week from DC Comics, we have Justice League 67, which Matt may be reading. Maybe. <laughs> I'll drop it. Uh, Wonder Woman 779's out. Uh, the Joker issue 7's out. Uh, I do read that for a patron, so uh, that'll be read. Uh, Rorschach issue 12. Oh, baby. Uh, that's a biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to talk about that now. Uh, Batman Urban Legends issue 7. Batman 89 issue 2. Superman The Authority issue 3. Future State Gotham issue 5. I Am Batman issue 1. Wait, didn't that sort of... Oh no, it was issue zero. It was an issue zero. Yeah, I was, it was like, issue zero. I was so getting I was like, confused. Did you freeze again? No, I was I was getting confused because I'm like, I, I'm sure I read this already. It was issue zero. Uh Just as a last raid, issue five, Harley Quinn, the animated series, Eat Bang Kill Tour, yeah. issue one. Uh Titans United, issue one. Batman the Adventures Continues, uh season two, issue four, Challenge of the Super Sons, issue six, Batman Scooby Doo, Mysteries, issue six, Pennyworth issue two rounds out the list. Uh what I might have we... no choice but to read Justice League. Yeah, I don't have a lot of books next week. I think I might do no. two Patreon books next week. Well, this, yeah, and this is all the future stuff for Urban Legends, so I'll be skipping that. I mean, I, I may read Future State because I don't have much else. Like, I, I've got Rorschach, I've got Joker, huh? and I, I Am Batman. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to show one of that, even though Issue Zero was yeah. a bit weaker than I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like Batman 89 that much, so I probably won't mm-hmm. read that. Maybe I'll catch up in Future State Gotham, but I didn't read the last mm-hmm. one. Oh, that's... Yeah. That's annoying. Why did I have nine books this week, but there's like three next week? I know. This I is know. stupid. I mean, there's a lot of books. I guess it's just because it just happens to be a lot that I've dropped. <laughs> yep. There's not really much I could do about that, I suppose. Uh, all right, well... Look forward to next week. Catch up on Wonder Woman, Matt. You need to talk about Wonder Woman next week. Maybe. Maybe. Do you not want to? No, I'm just saying if I have time. Well, I'm saying uh, I'm saying prioritize that over reading Justice League since you actually may like uh, Wonder maybe. Woman. Uh, maybe. I have like two, three issues to catch up on Wonder Woman. There's a logic oh. to it though. There is. I get it. I get it. And if you're not if you're not reading Urban Legends, which is like eighty pages, then you, you know what? You, you, you That's what I'm saying. I almost have to read Justice League. But like <laughs> 
Hey, we might even take this is que- annoying. I hate when they do this. We might even take questions for the first time in ages next week because Shoot. there's less books. Yeah. We'll just have to talk for an hour on Rorschach, man. That's fine. I'm sure we can get an hour out of that. I'm sure we could. Yeah. Hey, but I'm, I'm starving now, so uh, why don't you tell us the Patreon producers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm also hey, missing Rampage. This is Connor's fault for moving the recording to Friday yes, and then bailing, yes, right? I know, yes, I know. I'm, I'm but- starving. My wife is starving. I'm going to get yelled at. So, <laughs> I'm missing Rampage. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm going to go Dragon's watch. talking right now. I, I'm going to go watch Rampage myself, right? Yes. As soon as I'm done, I'm going to put that up when I'm eating. Uh, so Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Borden Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley are our Excelsior. Patreon Stanley. producers for the month. Uh, you can, of course, be a producer yourself at the $20 tier or more, but of course you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and help keep all the content coming. And at the $5 tier, you get early access to the show by a day. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you want to support us. Uh, financially but you can of course support us in a bunch of free ways as well you can hit like on youtube subscribe comment all those things help on youtube a bunch uh, if you're listening to uh, the audio version on the audio podcast app whatever you may be itunes podcast addict whatever uh, if you give us a review and a five-star rating that helps us out a bunch or of course just share us you can get us on twitter at dc comics podcast share us via that all these things do help so anything you can do is appreciated a ton and do let us know what you thought of the books in the comments, uh, whether that be uh, on YouTube or on Twitter. Uh, it's always nice to hear your thoughts um, once the show goes out. Um, yeah, that's... Is that all my plugging? Uh, check out Mailfuzz TV and Mailfuzz Movies, the YouTube channels for TV reviews and pod- uh, movie podcasts. Um, I'll mention those. And... But I think that's everything. I feel I'm feeling rushed because Matt's like, going, hey, I want to eat. Move, yeah, move, move. I'm getting hangry. <laughs> I think that's everything. If I've missed anything, forgive me, dear you dear like audience. Me when I'm hangry. You've you've been a wonderful audience, I assume. <laughs> Except David, he's the yeah. worst. <laughs> sure, and Connor. Connor's the worst. He was never gonna watch this though. He's not audience though. He's just he's just right, awful cool. on his own. Uh, but that, that's us that's been episode 270 of Calls to the Multiverse thank you for joining us once again we always appreciate it keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force Maddie Hungy Hungie